Right, lads. Get yourself up to the off. We'll get yourself a few cold brewskis, because today, you know what day it is, don't you? It's fucking Friday, lads! Get yourself going! It's Friday! It's fucking Friday all day! All day! I love football. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Eric. Eric. Here comes Dylan then. Swings the ball towards the penalty spot. It's a great ball. And the flick down is in the back of the net! It's in the back of the net! Norman has scored! I can't quite see who scored it! But there's mayhem here underneath me! A brilliant ball in! A brilliant ball in from Dylan Watts! And it ended up in the back of the net! And it's Rovers one! Hatch nil! In the second minute of injury time! Rovers have scored! I don't know who scored! I don't care! We will win no fans! We will win no fans! Still for Rovers! We will win no fans! I'm not seeing the replay now, he was quartered. There's the ball coming in. I think it's an own goal! I think it's an own goal! That's the Rovers fans! That's the Rovers fans! That's why we're champions! That's why we're champions! That's why we're champions! Episode 174, it's me, Gary P, and of course, the prop Carol Lowley. We won with no fans. Twice in injury time. No fans, prop. Twice in injury time. Um, and of course, we have Lester Credit, the most fantastic guys in the world. Why, prop? Why are Lester Credit so fantastic? Because they got your back. And of course, Lester Credit. No, we have them. We have Ocean Electrical as well. Lester Credit have your back. But Ocean Electrical, they've got your wires and your cables and your electrics and all that other beautiful stuff. So get in touch with Ocean Electrical if you have any electrical needs. So yes, Prof, we have uh, Prof, we have another yet yet another night late winner at Pats to talk about. An absolute scenes. Uh, Dan Lafferty, a league and cup winner with Rovers, but now with Dirty, he joins us and he talks about his time in Tal, a very happy time as well, he sounds very, very happy to talk about it, and I look ahead to Dirty's visit on Friday, and there's another edition of In Memoriam, of course, Prof, and it's an old school one this month, Jamie Keane, aka Big J. Yeah, Jimmy Keane, added to the board of directors in 1989, uh, sadly passed away in 1999, uh, one of the founders of Cram, an instrumental in starting Floodlights of Milltown, so one of those larger than life characters. And a real old school cracker for you. So, uh, a very good listen. So, you're going to look forward to that one, Prof. Um, last week's show, Dan Murray, good feedback. And um, he can talk very well. I'll give him that. Some people freaked out by his changing accent. It was London and then it was Cork. and Absolutely terrifying. Back and forth. Absolutely terrifying. I didn't know what to think. It was quite strange. He'd be in the middle of a London one and he'd go, like? <laughs> be like, what is going on here? Before we started, he was quite impressed with my book collection. He just goes, oh, I've got quite a lot of books there. <laughs> Before he felt, did he find the trap door? 
Um, yeah, so very, very popular edition, Prof. Great interview again. Uh, WhatsApp group, Prof. The WhatsApp group has been renamed the Suicidal Dentists. So probably a very popular name for a band. Yeah, that's about to say, a good band name. Don't ask how it ended up there. You probably, if you listened last week, you might know. Yeah. Uh, what do you wrote into us? He said, I got robbed on the resale value of those geese. <laughs> robbed on the resale value of a flock of geese. My father sold me a flock of geese. <laughs> I think I think I forgot an important detail. I think he says he was something like he was sixteen. That's even that's taking even more advantage. I know. It's even more ridiculous. Uh yeah, so great stuff again from last week's edition went down the tree. Uh Prof, you were heavily criticized. You didn't give James Lowe the banjo before Monaghan Award. There was outcry and outpouring. A disgrace, I was told. We might have to share it. Might have to share the award. James said he worked hard for it and all. But um I think what happened here was I talked to James more at the beginning where he was fine but then at the end apparently he was a disaster. So my impression of James from that trip was the early one. Yeah, granted I did see him leap and bite out of Barry's burger. <laughs> like a seal. Like yeah. <laughs> but uh, whereas Mooner, I just felt he was jolly from the get-go. So we might have to iron out the details of this award. Like what is the spirit of the award? You yeah. have to be drunk fast. Or is it the overall impression? No, it's before. It's it's the f- initial drunkenness. Yeah. You can sober up after it if you want, but it's all about being banjo before Monaghan. But some of the stuff the lads were saying about him were gas. He was sitting beside staff and yeah, he, he asked staff about his holidays five times in five minutes. It was just like, <laughs> I was like oh, how are your holidays? How are your holidays? And then staff would tell him in a lot of detail and he's just like, oh yeah, how, how'd your holidays go? <laughs> Nothing going in. And each time the details would just get smaller and smaller. In one ear and, uh, and out the other. Rob Lavelle said that he gave James a lift from the stadium to the Blanchestown shopping centre to make the taxi cheaper. Uh, he was getting out of the car and Laura said to him, is this alright for you here? And he said, yeah, there'll be a bus here now in a few minutes. This was one thirty in the morning. <laughs> well, a few minutes, maybe a bit of an understatement. <laughs> It would have got there eventually. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, great trip all around, Prof. Very, very enjoyable. A couple of shout-outs here, Prof. We forgot them last week. We Neil Scully and Adam Worth were working in the theatre in Tala Hospital. That's from Ken Mack, the number one Rover supporter in Tala Hospital. So, big shout-out from Kenny Mack. Top Rover's hoop. Potential interview there, I think. Potential interview, yeah. I think we we'll have to delve in there. Yeah, I remember Neil. He was on the Gary Twiggs bus, wasn't He's he? He's been on a few times, yeah. yeah. He's been on it a few times. I remember we we I might have told the story before. We won three and nil in Drogheda in 2013, and it was an absolutely brutal first half. It was just nothing going on. Typical cruddy game. Yeah. And Neil and two of the lads <laughs> decided to go to the pub for the whole second half, and then we blitzed Drogheda with, with three goals. These things happen. I think McCabe scored a cracker. He scored two. Might actually might might have been two headers by McCabe, which was unlike him. But and then. And then Neil came back in the bus and I think he won the golden goal. So he was getting all sorts of grief. Oh, I think we remember, I think we yeah. were saying don't give it to him. Golden goal, it wasn't even there. But um, yeah, Another person I meant to give a shout out to last week was uh, Martin Finn and his brother Darren. You know Martin, of course. Yeah, Martin, great guy. I had a good chat with him and his bro at the game. He uh, helped us out with the, the five-a-side tournament, all the stats and stuff. Yeah, he gave us the template. And uh, yeah, I was talking to him during the, during the game of Stigo. 
and he said him and his brother they always stick on the podcast on the drive up to these away games and actually refuse to listen to it until the drive up oh I like that I like a little bit of yeah. uh, I like a little bit of um, routine that's cool because yeah, they love it and they say the longer the better oh makes, madam oh madam <laughs> makes the drive fly by so that's the that's a, that's you could say it's our mailbag uh, talking about mailbags Friday I'm in Louisville we've got another show out again and Dale is making his Tala debut this week he's going to be in the South Sand I think big gang teachers union all turning up in force but he was in Daily Mount last week and uh, he said he loved it but uh, I suppose he may love Tala for different reasons I suppose now he's gone from the crusty old Daily Mount to the, the modern Tala but I think you might be able to appreciate the fact that you've had like Ronaldo making his debut there, Del Piero, Chiellini, mm-hmm. all these fantastic players that have graced the pitch and the history that's behind it. I think you might be able to appreciate that. Yeah, we we finally caught up here. We uh, I heard uh, the Manon and Balls segment. And as you said, Garrett, we probably both went in wanting to hate it. Yes. But actually, no, it was quite good. Couldn't hate it. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was impossible. In fairness, they, they spoke well and uh, it was it was interesting. Actually, an interesting segment. I liked it, it was. I liked it as well. I have to say, it was it wasn't your average one. So fair play to the lads. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not to do with anything, but Liam not a fan of the Marvel films, and he called uh, one. I need them. them. No, he saw them. He, he called one of them Doctor Strangle. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something out of uh, someone else's yeah. personal collection. Have you noticed Dale is now sick of the podcast loving? He's sick of the podcast friends. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens on Friday. We could be back as buddies. I reckon this might stem from you telling people not to use their code for the socks. <laughs> yeah, I maybe think, so. I think that rubbed them up the wrong way. We might have uh, taken over in the sales department, maybe. Are you starting feuds again? No, I'll, t- I'll, I'll cut it out. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. We're friends. I hope, I hope so. Anyway. Yeah. We'll see him on Block X. Uh, I like Dale's power rankings. Did you hear that one last week? I did. I enjoyed that, yeah. Yeah. Enjoyed it. I like the fact that Bowles are in tier two. Yeah. We're in tier one, so we're getting closer. We're getting closer. I have a question slash observation for Dale. Uh, I think he's going to end up with a soft spot for one or two others and not just be able to pick an outright one team, if you know what I mean. Sounds like some other podcast host you're talking about. <laughs> well, hopefully it won't be that bad. But I just have a feeling he'll, if he doesn't choose Jordan, for example, I think he'll, just, he'll end up kind of liking them a little bit. Because he's, he's, he's come at this as a total outsider. He's getting love from everybody as well. That's the thing. Hmm. He's getting love from absolutely everybody. So it's a tough one. It's a tough one to gauge. And he was showing around Drogheda and a couple of other clubs would probably end up being nice to him. So he'd probably end up with a Saspa. Which is understandable. Yeah, yeah, but, true. but if he's going to go all in, he's going to pick the Robbers, for example. It's odd or nothing. That's it. That's what I, I think well, I remember saying that fateful thing to you, Prof, not too long ago. But you're allowed like Harps a bit. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so pre-order prop, big, big pre-order Tifty's t-shirts. The way it's going to work, you can go on to Big Cartel, that is our site, Big Cartel Tales from the East End, or you can Revolut. You can get on to us on our socials. Uh, we've had a big first day, loads of t-shirts sold. They're going to be sold for a two-week period, and then you will never, ever get them again, prof. They are two mm. weeks only, and then once the two weeks are over, same as the Love Rovers Hate Racism campaign, we will get your t-shirts out to you as quick as possible. So get them while you can. You have two weeks, prof. And you'll never be able to get them again. And the amount of people emailing us saying, I missed out on the Love Robbers Hate Racism shirt. Yeah, well, 
I don't care. <laughs> it's not ours. <laughs> is that not a good sign that you need to act fast and buy these shirts? Exactly. Very quickly. It's only been a month since they've stopped being on sale. <laughs> maybe a bit more. But uh, yeah, if there's any other... If the Love Rovers hate racism, if they're ever getting reissued, let us know. Because there is more fans out there who want them. But our t-shirts are currently on sale. So get them. Get them fast. And they are the biz. They are the biz. Rovers Green and Guinness Black. So check them out on our socials. So next up, Prof, we have Dan Lafferty, left-back, scorer of a winner in the Dublin Derby before. So here he is. Okay, we're joined by former Shamrock Rovers defender uh, Dan Lafferty. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Dan. Uh, you're enjoying your second spell at Derry at the moment under Rory Higgins. The team's done, done quite well since he's come in, hasn't he? Yeah, he does. It's, uh, results have definitely picked up. Um, obviously, he came on quite early in the season, like, you know, we didn't get off to a very good start whatsoever. Um, but, yeah, like you said, as he, since he's came on, it's, things have really went on a kind of upward trajectory there, like, and things are all uh, going well at the minute. Yeah, your only defeat in the last couple of months was that that one to your rivals, Harps, in the Cup, and you had scored a, a late equalising penalty in the previous round, so you're probably disappointed to go out in the Cup, but, but other than that, your league form has been uh, really consistent. Yeah, no, that, that, that was disappointing. We weren't, <clears throat> we didn't really perform that night at all in the cup you know that's really just disappointing then like afterwards because we saw it as a kind of opportunity to, to, pro- to progress into the next round there's a, no disrespect to Harps at all but um, like you say because our, our form has been had been excellent was, was, was Harps was good also good on it but like you say over the, since Rory's came out I think over the 20 last 21 games um, that Rory's been in charge we'd be sitting second uh, on on that points total you know Um Obviously, the first five games, um, take the first eight, five games out of the season, like you know, it actually leaves us um, a few points behind yourselves. So, uh, you know, so like I say, since he's came on, it's, it's been uh, it's been really good. But yeah, it's been it was disappointing to go out in the cup. Um, I think just more so in the manner that we did. Like I say, we didn't we didn't really perform on the night, and uh, Harps got Harps got their got their goal, and that was it. Do you have the top three in your sights now, or are you not necessarily talking about a target at this time? Ah, well, there's eight games to go. I think you'd be stupid not to, not to talk about it, you know. It's obviously, I think it's 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 realistic now, you know. Um, uh, with Bohemians uh, losing to Dundalk last night, um, it's kind of went our way, I suppose. That keeps them four points, I think, behind us. And I think the game in hand is against yourselves, so hopefully he's do us a favour. Um, and then I think uh, I think we'd we'd like to think we'd, we'd probably have the easier of the run-ins in the last eight games, you know, apart from the next two games, you know, or two the next three actually. We've got yourselves, Waterford, and St Pat's, you know. Um, and then after that, it's um, it's all kind of teams that are are below us in the league, you know. So obviously, yeah, like we're we're ambitious, you know. Whether we run out of games or not, who knows? But we'll definitely be. Uh, We'll be uh, giving it all we can towards it to the end of the season, anyway. So, like I say, it's your second spell at Derry. You first joined them back in 2010 uh, after you'd left Celtic. So, this was under Stephen Kenny. You won a first division title with him. And then you surprised people when you went up the second season, uh, finishing third and actually challenged for the title uh, towards the end there. No, we, yeah, well, I suppose it was for the good good uh, part of the season when we were really competitive. Um, like you say, we possibly did surprise. Uh, people 
not just the fact that because the team coming up in the first division doesn't necessarily go straight up and compete the uh, at the top end of the table. Um, but uh, we lost James McLean halfway through the season to Sunderland, which was a big blow. He was obviously a massive part of the um, the group that year, you know. So he took him into the team with a lot of creativity and a lot of goals and that. So trying to fill that void and. And to be fair to you, we were up against two really strong teams. Like that was at the the year Rovers qualified uh, to the group stages in, in Europa League and that. And Sligo equally had a very good team. You know, they like said Owen Doyle, Joseph and Doe, Richie Ryan, all that there, all them boys, you know. So it was a it was it was a really high standard, I would say, uh, that year. But um we pushed it as far as we could, you know, ultimate ultimately we kinda Came up short and that, but and then equally disappointing was the club couldn't actually qualify for Europe, even though they qualified in European spots. They weren't able to; they were still on their ban, I think it was from going into administration. So that was disappointing as well. I've written an article in the program for Friday's match. It's about a game between Rovers and Derry around this time ten years ago, and uh, it was won by a goal, a goal by the man name of uh, Rohan Ricketts. He scored the deciding yeah. goal. And the title race, it could have swung either way that, that day, couldn't it? Yeah, you're you're you're, you're taking me back a long time here now, so my memory ain't that great. But I do, I remember. Uh, I said I vaguely remember the game, you know. Um, Tala was Tala's a tough place to lick, especially in, in that year too. It was it was a big ask for us to go in there and uh, and pick up or pick pick up a one lick, you know. But uh, yeah, I suppose in hindsight, if we had picked up them kind of ones, you know, we could have been talking about something different, you know, but I think ultimately the best squad that year, the best team won the league, you know, but, um, uh, well, hopefully we'll possibly next year now we maybe talk about something different, you know, you can see the kind of, the way they're the Rory trying to take the club up here um, and some of the signings that are being linked with and having already signed Patrick McElhinney on a pre-contract for next season, you can kind of clearly see he's ambitious and uh, and and where he wants to kind of take the club anyway. So you had seven years in England. Uh, your clubs included Burnley and uh, Sheffield United. You helped Burnley to win promotion to the Premier League in uh, 2014. Was that up there with the highlights? Um, I won all that. Listen, all the all the successes that I've had, like you know, they're all highlights. Um, you know, I was I was to be honest. I, I always look back and I say people always ask me these questions, and I say I always it's probably a, a Bit of a cop out answer, but it's like I was lucky in the sense like I always seem to have turned up at these clubs at the right time. Like Burnley were a kind of mediocre middle middle of the table championship club and that, and um, it was Eddie Howe that brought me to the club, and he left after about a, maybe less than a year when I was there, and then Sean Dykes came in, and like I wasn't getting the game under Eddie Howe whatsoever. Sean Dykes came in and kind of resurrected my uh, Burnley career, put me straight in. Uh, played like 26 games that season and then the following season we got promotion you know um, and that club then they kind of went they kind of were on the up on the up then they went up and then they came back down and then back up again straight away so I had two promotions actually whilst I was at the club you know so that's why I can always look back and say I was kind of fortunate and lucky to be at the right club at the right time under the right manager and have a, obviously a lot of excellent players around me and that kind of continued actually <laughs> Everywhere I kind of went um, in my career so far. I think the most football you played was probably your loan spell initially with Sheffield United 2016 17. 
uh, winning League One comfortably with 100 points, scoring over 90 goals. So that was a great season for you. Uh, that was that's what I'm that, that, that was probably the most enjoyable season that I've had yet in football. Like, you know, like you say, achieving 100 points. Um, uh, like you say, it was a lot of the games you were, they were really enjoyable to play. And like you say, we were a very attacking, free-flowing team. Um, and kind of really took that league by storm that year. So obviously that, that, that in, um, in its own would be very enjoyable to be a part of. And um, like I said, a lot of, it was a, even just off the pitch too, a lot of great lads. Like, you know, it was a great thing. Every, every day going to training, it was, it was great crack, great banter, great nights out and things like that, you know. So that, I always look back and say that was probably the, the most enjoyable uh, year I've had in, in football so far. When you came back from England in August 2019, uh, you ended up signing for, for Shamrock Rovers. You debuted against Waterford. I remember you saying at the time you were drawn to Rovers by your style of football. You'd been to see us play and that, that sort of attracted you. Yeah, actually, it was strange because I was, I was like, I just came back. Uh, I was still living in England at the time and I was just happened to be back, uh, back home for uh, maybe a week or so and it just fell that Rovers were playing Derry uh, in the brand so I actually I, I took on that game while I was home um, and I remember going to the game and I was really impressed by Rovers I think actually that might have been the first game where they switched to a 3-5-2 um, uh, up in the Randomville and they were really impressive the way they they they, um, they battered Derry on the day to be fair um, I'm not sure of the score actually but I'm pretty sure Rovers won it anyway um, and I was just yeah like you said I was it was, it was hard not to be impressed by it you know and obviously, I knew, um, I knew of the manager, and and, and that like through his, he would be a very close friend uh, with um, my agent, and that. Uh, so, I I was fully aware even before I even seen him, like what kind of what his uh, mindset and his what he was trying to do at the club, you know. So, oh, yeah, like I say, ultimately, you couldn't. It was hard not to be impressed and kind of take notice. The league was kind of gone at that stage when you came in, but uh, there was the cup run, and we did. It was important to end the hoodoo over Bowles first with the league win, and then the the big semi final at Bowles. So they were really significant wins for us, weren't they? Yeah, that was that was like I said, the league was kind of out of sight at that stage. It was hard, which was but like you say, yeah, that was. Um, you saw, I think all focus was on the cup, um, and that uh, with a few scares along the way. I remember in Galway, we kind of clock we scored late on. I think Lee Gray scored in like the ninetieth minute to to win that game. I think we went uh, we went behind actually in the first half. So um, to come through that, and then like you say, um, at the time I, I was I wasn't aware actually how big that derby was. I was completely taken aback by it. I was like, wow, is this Ireland? Like you know what I mean? It's by far the biggest biggest derby in the country by by some distance, you know. Um, I remember that game. Was it was it was at Tala, wasn't it? Yeah. Or was it the league games in Tala? The league games at Tala, and then yeah. the cup. I remember. Was, uh, I, remember I, think, I think the league game came first, and and that was just that's when I was like, wow, what is this? Flares going off, start ever barely a barely a seat, um, a seat free. I think it's crazy. Um, but like you say, then then the boy, I was it wasn't too. Uh, I went there to the boys. Kind of said that we haven't beat beat Bulls in a while. They've kind of. They've always beat us and all, and even though you probably look at it and go, well, Rovers had the better squad and probably the better team, but they just couldn't, could never get a one against them. And then, like you say, they they pick up um, to beat them in the cup, and uh, and then go all the way then um, uh, to beat Dundalk. Then and penalties obviously was um, 
was uh, was 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 very enjoyable. You know, it was a uh, it was a nice way to, to end the season. All right. What's your memories from the day of the Aviva itself? First of all, the build up. The players have spoken to me before about they all sat down and watched videos sent in by the, the players' families, and some of them were in tears before even heading out to the field. It was. It was. There was a few lumps in the throats there in the hotel. Like we stayed at Carton House the night before. Um, like we, we trained at Carton House and we stayed there. And um, now, unbeknown to anybody, I didn't have a clue. Nothing that we just thought we'd go and do, like, do your normal pre-match team meeting in the hotel before you set off to go to the, the stadium. Um, obviously, a bit of a buzz in the place and all of those. Like you kind of, it, it, it was kind of surprising. Like you, you go through all the rounds in the cup, and then. Once once the day comes, you go, wow, this is actually a massive day. You kind of go through, like, not to go through the motions as such, but like in the in the previous rounds. But really, like it's not like um, when when it's FA Cup final, it just it really just goes up up a notch altogether. And like you said, all everyone's family and and that were uh, sending on videos and that um, it was and a lot of them were funny as well as well like. Um, you know, obviously all different accents from all over the country, trying to work out who is whose family's who and things like that. You know, but yeah, what one of the bosses that there was definitely um, a few glassed eyes or glazed eyes there, sorry, um, and a few lumps in the throat. But um, and then when you get to the Aviva and that, then it's you just, it really kind of go, really hits you when you walk walk it onto the pitch and uh and see the see the arena. And obviously like you say it's there's there's that it's it was more like excitement even the, the week leading up to it. Like you know, you get all your suits fitted and things like that. Um it really starts to kind of sink in then but then once the fans and all start turning up in and that first whistle gets blown, it's really just um right, let's get a one here. Because you know you definitely don't want to be on the on the losing side, I would say. Well we find out a year after don't we? You came on during extra time, so what do you remember from where the game was at at that at that point? Was there kind of inevitably going to penalties? Yeah, uh, I don't know. It was well. I, I think yeah, you're right. I came on like, maybe midway through the second half of extra time. Um, yeah, it, it did. I suppose thinking back, it probably did look a bit like that. Like it was just it was always going to just kind of go to extra time or go to penalties. Sorry. Um, Thankfully, we just had we obviously had a tremendous keeper in Al in there, and you always you always fancy your chances, even if it if it did go the full distance then. Um, and he actually, he actually made a big save, didn't he? Just at the end of extra time, Adam Manis. Did he? Mm. Uh, well, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me if he did. Um, if, if only had a made it made it uh, at the end of normal time, we could have just <laughs> we could have just won one nil. But uh, but that doesn't surprise me at all. He's obviously a tremendous keeper. Um, and uh, yeah, you really pulled out of the bag then with the saves and the and the shootout. What about the joy you and everybody felt when Gary O'Neill slotted home that winning ben- ah. penalty? Yeah, they were they were all they were all brilliant penalties, and I think I was I was maybe down to be about seven for something like that, and I was like, wow, this is a serious standard of penalties coming on here or happening here. I was like, no, <laughs> somebody, I was like, please, I'll save a penalty. Um, yeah, I was brilliant. It was just pure relief on it. Pure relief because like you were so close, like getting to a normal time, and then having to play the extra thirty minutes, and then it's penalty, it's penalty. Like it can go either way, I suppose you know. But to um, to uh, to win it, and then in front of the fans as well at that end, it was it was, it was unbelievable. And the few days that followed it after was 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 uh, equally as good, from what I remember. That is, was it, was it when you met the fans in the, in the following days that it 
it really hit home the significance of it. It had been 32 years since Rovers had won the Cup. Some fans were too young to even have seen it before. Hard to believe that. Again, these are all things that I, I, I found out just along the way. I was like, how is that possible? You know, like, well, the most successful club in Ireland, but hadn't won the Cup in like 32 years. It's, like, it's crazy. Like, grown men come the tears and all that. It was, it was, uh, it was amazing, all right. Um, and yeah, like you say, what's that bar call? We went to the next day's Ab- Amble, Amberley or something, no? There was the Aberley Court and there was the Terran Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember sitting in the Terran Urine eating, eating bloody a box of cornflakes. I was starving. <laughs> <laughs> I remember sitting down there and I think we were just, we were obviously on the drink for a couple of days and that, like, and, um, I remember someone going in the shop, going in the corner of the shop, and had somehow a box of cornflakes turned up. And we were just sitting eating a box, eating out of the box with hands, scooping, scoffing cornflakes under your mouth, for something half eight at night or whatever it was. Um, uh, it was really, it was, I was really, it was brilliant. Them, 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 um, them few days we had, there was brilliant. Like, like the night of the final, we kind of celebrated, celebrated with our family and and together and that, you know, and then to then go out and. Uh, and share it with the fans and see what it meant to them was was uh, was brilliant. Like what I always thought was you poured the cornflakes into the cup as a little jab <laughs> at the the dark fan about crying into cornflakes. <laughs> well, that must have been the subconscious I was doing that then because I wouldn't have known all that kind of I wouldn't be that intelligent. They kind of sank that far <laughs> that, that deep, you know. I think it was just more. I was just hungry. I was <laughs> probably hadn't ate for two days, and I was. <laughs> um, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how. I, I don't. It wasn't me that bought the cornflakes, but somehow they ended up there anyway. Um, and they were and they were bloody lovely. Um, but yeah, it's good time. It's good. Uh, it's good day actually. I, I was told a couple of things by by some friends on that night. One fellow, Kieran, says you planted a big wet kiss on him after the fight. Oh, he's a, he's a, he's a terrible kisser too. Jeez, I remember <laughs> that. Ah, uh, like yes, uh, yeah. It's crazy, like you say. I, I, I can tell the names like, but like I, I can actually see that guy's guy's face. So I can, um, like beard on him and that. Um, but yeah, nah, there's a few stories you can about the less the less said the better about them. And also, do you remember singing the town I love so well with Aaron McIniff in the Aberdeen Court? Ah, of course, I was there in the day. Yeah, no, I was good. <laughs> with the music and all was, with the crack was good. The fan, everyone was just enjoying it. You know, every, all the players mingling with the fans, just everyone just having a good time and. Um, Really embracing the the enjoyment of, of of what it was. Um, yeah, it was a it was a it was, it was very special, it was very enjoyable. Um, and like you say, it's, it's something I look back with, with very fond memories. You know, every time there, um, fans were brilliant. Um, uh, like I said, the players, the staff, all the club, uh, all uh, all brilliant people. You know, so um, it's definitely appeared in my appeared in my career that I look back with very fond memories. So going into 2020, we course, we win the first five games. We have that incredible 3-2 win over the dock in front of 7,000 fans. We seem to have all this momentum building from the cup win. But then, of course, football is shut down for four months. So how how difficult was that? Yeah, I think, yeah, like you say, go back to the, the, just as our season started. It was, it was like, right, all, all, like, although it's a new season, it was still like, come on, let's keep the momentum going again. Let's start, let's pick up where we left off. And then Duke is sure nobody could uh, foresee what was what was uh, in store after that. It was frustrating, like you know, that was well, it was frustrating for everybody, football or whether you're involved in football or you're not involved in football. Um, extremely uh, frustrating period, and 
thanks for only now we're kind of getting to the other side of it um, with fans just coming back in. Um, I don't know if Friday night's going to be, I think it's a sellout, isn't it, from what I read? Um, yeah, 4,000, yes. Yeah, so the biggest the biggest crowd that they've had in and, um, since probably the, that Dundalk game or, the, or a Bulls game, I'd imagine. Um, so, yeah, um, obviously frustrating times going through all that there. Like, four months ago, everyone just had to return home and we were all giving our way in their own individual programmes. They kind of keep ourselves taking over, but it was ultimately it was just about, right, take care of yourselves and take care of your family and, you know, we'll see you when we can see you, basically. Um, we had Ilves in the Europa League uh, qualifiers, a 26 penalty shoot on out marathon. A lot of very high quality penalties, uh, Dan, although you must feel you were kind of blessed to see your one bounce off the keeper's legs and somehow oh, end up in the net. I think I changed my, my mind three times walking up the walking from the halfway line up there, you know, which is always <laughs> they always say it's something you shouldn't do, you should pick your spot and stay with it. Yeah, I didn't catch it right. Um, and yeah, thankfully, I wouldn't want to be the person to miss to miss the penalty, especially in such a such a high, such a big game. You know, it's always difficult that you see it in the World Cup, like see coming off the bench and getting up the speeds of the game and getting the feel feel like you're in the game. You know, I, I only came on next time again in that in that, and um, just for whatever reason, like you seen it in the World Cup with England in the final and that, like bringing people on, even as as recent as Mark Nobles last week against uh, Man United I never liked that like players coming off the bench to take penalties you kind of need to feel like you need to be kind of up to speed and feel like you're really in the game before you kind of feel confident enough to kind of go and have a penalty but it went the whole way around so we all had to take one some some had to take two so um, well, yeah, thankfully it, it skipped off his legs it was, it was a wet surface alright so um, and the, uh, the ball was been pretty wet so thankfully it, it, uh, it skipped off his leg and went under the back of the net well, there weren't many of us in the stand. There were a few of us in the wall, of course, but I can tell you the nerves were unreal off the pitch. But well, on the pitch, what were the nerves like? Yeah, good. No, just relaxed as normal. Like, treated it um, like any other game, obviously. We'd watched, um, leading up to it, we'd watched uh, plenty of clips on them and they looked good, you know. Generally, you may find like your first, your first uh, round of the game, you might get someone... Maybe like I say, not that good, but they were a decent team. They were very good. Like they were, you know, it was a very tough game. Like, did we go behind in that game and then Graham Graham equalised? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they were, so we weren't um, weren't expecting an easy game. That's for sure, anyway. And um, obviously, we didn't get much much luck in the draw in the next round. Like you know, which would have been nice to kind of see a bit more uh, football in Europe. Like you know. But um, that's the way. That's the way it is. Just as I suppose. And you scored a brace against Cork in the cup, which was also uh, the five hundred goal at Tele Stadium. That was a nice bit in your cap. And then a week later, you scored the only goal of the game against Bowles. So quite the goals trick you're on there for a left wing back. Yeah, well, I was. I, was, I think yeah, because I think that was just that was just before the AC Milan game too. And I think I think two days before the AC Milan game, and. Tore my hamstring actually. Yeah, that's why I'm assuming. So I'm just, I'm just trying to recollect all the, the the timings there. But yeah, no, no, it's strange like that. Like London buses, you know, you don't score for a while, and then like three come along into games. It's just strange enough. The same thing happened this year as well. Here, that's just the way it has, the way it is sometimes in football. But yeah, obviously to get the two in the cup, 
because um, I've been kind of in and out in that league. I hadn't really had a run of the games in that. Obviously, it's a very competitive squad. Only a few places came up for grabs, so there was. Um, so, yeah, I was obviously happy to get on the score sheet um, in the cup game against Cork. And then, obviously, the 1-0 one then the following week against Bose. Um, that was... It was a fortunate enough goal, but it was it was enough to win the game. And um, it's crazy, like we say, after them the games against Bulls and that you really kind of the Rovers fans really kind of get behind you, like the, the the amount of stuff I had on social media and all the, all the thanks and all this all the the well dones and everything else that follows it. Like you know, it's it's um, never had to play a, play a point again, did you? <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't drink anymore. <laughs> No, um, no, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's the amount of people that come out and kind of show their kind of appreciation and all. It's 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 very humbling and very, um, it's very nice in that you know, um, which is kind of what 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 I'd expect from Rovers fans, you know, like from from what I've seen, uh, whilst my time from the time there, like you know, they're always um very supportive of the players, uh, one or lose, I suppose, like, but um. Obviously, it was, obviously it was a lot more wins than that. So they were, they were, they were, they were amazing with me and that, like, and um, very supportive. And obviously, to to score that goal and uh, keep that run kind of going at at that, that time um, over Bowes and to stay kind of unbeaten in the league, you know, um, was uh, was very good. We spoke earlier about the atmosphere in derbies, how it kind of blew your way. So on the flip side, how strange was the atmosphere in that game when you scored that goal what turned out to be the winner? And it was mostly silence in the ground bar, you know, a dozen or so volunteers cheering mm. in the main stand. Yeah, frustrating that already, it would be nice to be it would be nice to um soak up that kind of um, that atmosphere, the pre-match stuff, and then obviously getting on the score sheet, you kind of really feel that passion from the fans, you know. It was at uh, it's in the the stand where all the ultras and everything be, isn't it? The East Stand. Uh, they're yeah, in the south um, stand, yeah. Oh, south stand, sorry, yes. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I, that, that would have been lovely, you know, to celebrate in front of them. Like, um, so it would have been, but such, 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 such it was. Um, that's just the way. That's just the way um, things were at the time. So we were, I think we were just happy to just be on the pitch, never mind uh, whether it was fans or not. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it was just about getting the one and keeping ourselves going. And then Harp surprisingly go to Bowes and win there, and then we're we, we're crowned champions. So, what was that like night like? Was there a lot of, of suddenly a lot of WhatsApp texts and calls going around? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because we weren't expecting that at all. No one was, I suppose. But um, yeah, uh, I kind of I'm trying to think what what did well. We couldn't do much. So obviously, we couldn't. I don't think we could do much. There was a couple of in uh, in. And uh, loving together in the house, so I think maybe we just I think I just to try to think back now. I think we just had a couple of drinks. It was nothing crazy. We couldn't do nothing crazy, you know. Um, I think we still had games to play too, and that. Um, and obviously the cup, and so we were trying. To, we were still. I just the focus had a shift. Like we were kind of expecting to win the league anyway. It was only a kind of matter of time. Um, but yeah, it, it would have been nice if that if that's how it had happened. That you know get that result, and then you're then the. The group chat goes off, and then we're, you know, where are we, where are we going, boys? But that wasn't uh, that wasn't the case. It was just, I think I'm trying to think where we we might have been in training the next morning, <laughs> but I can't I can't recall exactly. 
But um, yeah, it was quite it was quite subdued considering, like you know, um, which is disappointing. But um, we celebrated a bit then <clears throat> after the cup final, um, you know, together. Uh, so that was we had a kind of that was our kind of real celebrations then. And getting that un- invincibles tag was that kind of talked about in the dressing room was important to finish the season unbeaten. Was that used as motivation? Oh, it definitely was. You know, before every game we wanted it, that was that was that was something that uh, us as players had kind of almost uh, had a bit of pride on, had pride on the such like, like right. Um, we we knew obviously what it hadn't been done, and obviously it was a, a shortened season, but nonetheless, it still hadn't. I think it hadn't been done since uh, you can probably tell me when, but it was a long time anyway. Um, so we 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 obviously had that kind of in-house kind of motivation about ourselves that um like let's 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 attempt this let's try this let's let's, let's try and go unbeaten and you know um and we just kind of won it in style and uh even though the season could be remembered for for a number of reasons but let it let it be uh remembered for the one that Shamrock rovers went unbeaten and you know won quite convincingly did you ever end up sitting down with Stephen Bradley to discuss a new contract, or did you always have in your mind that you'd probably go back home to Derry the following season? Um, no, we we'd spoken that like, but ah, uh, we I, I I had it. Yeah, was listen. I've got I had a wife and two kids up here. It was a lot of strain and strain, you know, with me being away in that. Um, a lot of responsibility put on her shoulders. So yeah, I think it was more about the timing had to be right about coming home, you know. Um uh and things just all had to kind of fall into place. And um that was really it. There wasn't yeah, he like I say, still had a good relationship with Stephen and he knew kind of my family life and everything they got there. Um and obviously they even I wouldn't go home too often because it's quite a it's quite a journey, like, you know. So to spend um, quite a substantial period of time uh, a year down uh, down there, like it's it it was just probably get run this course a little bit in terms of um, being away from the family and that. Like so, it's it's, it's, it's as much a personal choice as a professional choice, but um, I don't think they missed me anyway. <laughs> considering <laughs> considering skills, it uh, really took that position on his own. On a, up, up a notch this year, you know. Um, but you know, it was like I said, it was all about the time and coming back home, and I kind of felt that the time was right, you know. And ultimately, hopefully, that that'll uh, that'll bear for it. So we've met three times this season. The two at the Brandywell were quite eventful, weren't they? One where Roberts came from two down to win four two, and the other one was when uh, Berkey scored from the halfway line. Uh, I think yeah. he actually just went by you on the center circle. But you probably couldn't have imagined he was about to shield, could you? No, I don't. It was, I, 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 yeah, it's, they've been quite, like I said, quite eventful games. They've been, been like the one Berkey is, oh, it's an unbelievable goal. Like, don't, don't, like, take nothing away from him. Like, and like I said, it wasn't the tackle that I kind of went aggressively on because you're thinking, um, he's in his own half here. <laughs> I don't really need to even go hard to make a foil or anything. I thought, you know, it made a ricochet and it came through to me. But, ah, oh, he's, um, he's an unbelievable player, unbelievable talent. Like, and, He's got a hell of a left foot for and for for him to even think about that. Uh, that uh, of having the shot there, very few players would have uh, even came under their head, you know. But and then to actually execute it the way he did was unbelievable. Like so, you can't like take your hats off to that and go, 
all right, well, what can you do about that, you know? And then, yeah, the one last time we were, going, we were disappointed, obviously, that we were two up at half time, and then to ultimately kind of throw it away, we didn't. Well, Rovers kind of there's a snipping through the gears in the second half, you know, and and that was that. We couldn't really, I think we kind of ran ourselves into the ground as such. Um, and just like I say, the way they pass the ball and the way they move it, you know, it's uh, it's difficult to sustain that kind of them kind of fitness levels over, over a period of 90, 95 minutes and uh, ultimately they probably did deserve it uh, and they end up you know it was definitely a game of two halves um, but uh, oh, and then like I said the, the game down in Tala was a bit tighter I thought we were, <clears throat> we were quite well organised uh, that time round and you know we'll uh, obviously have a game plan in place now on um, on Friday night to Trying to get some kind of result, and um, we know we, we obviously fully aware of how difficult it's going to be. But uh, like I say, we'll have some. Royal have a have his um, well organised, and uh, we'll go in there and um, trying to get a, a positive result anyway. So, uh, last question: we've we've kind of touched on different points of your career there. Who's the best player you've ever played with and against? With, I'd probably have to go for Johnny Evans. Um, he's a, such an underrated uh, centre-back, you know, in the Premier League. He's been around it for years and years, done on international stage and um, and then I was in the Premier League for, for years. Um, I, I think you almost probably don't appreciate how good of a footballer he is until you actually play alongside him. Like, it's everything's effortless for him and he plays at his tempo and, you know, that's really... A, He's the top top centre back to this. Um, you know, there's been other top players as well. Like they can look back at the time of Burnley, that like you've got like say, Kieran Trippier, who's now playing for Atletico Madrid, and Danny Ings at uh, Aston Villa and that, you know, players like that. And then there's other like it's even a Sheffield United, Billy Sharp, just go not a pure goal machine. But I'd probably have to say Johnny Evans would be the the best I played with. And then against I remember actually making me under Northern under twenty ones. Uh, debut um, and against Germany and uh, Tony Cruz was playing right midfield and I think I didn't get within five yards of him the whole game now ultimately we were a lot younger then and that um, but you can still see the quality I think after about five minutes he had a free from 30 yards and put in the top corner I was like wow and then other players like Ozzo playing in that game and then fast forward a few years making me a senior national debut and against, it didn't get much easier then either because it was against Iron Robin and <laughs> Amsterdam Marina. Just like it was Holland's last game before they went to the Euros. And we got uh, hammered 6 0. Um, so you players like Robin, Van, uh, Snyder, Van Persie, all these top players, like you know, so you, know, you can take your pick from any of them. But I didn't enjoy playing against Cruz and I didn't enjoy playing against Robin, so I'll have to stick with them too. <laughs> Probably put together a fairly good best eleven uh, with and against, couldn't you? Yeah, say so. All right, uh, yeah. Well, more so. I'd probably, I'd probably say me me against team would beat me with team uh, with, but uh, I could yeah maybe one day I'll sit down and, and try and draw that up. Right, well, that's that, that's it, Danny. Thanks so much for for joining us today. Really appreciate it, and uh, have yourself a nice bottle of caramel place before you go to bed there. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me. So, Danny Laugh Prof. Um, he uh, he's, he's he's a good speaker, and I like the way he had a nostalgic feel for Rovers as well. Like he, 
it's not often that you get a player from a different team that speaks that well, like talking about the emotions on the bus, about the video and glass eyes everywhere. I was wondering what the hell happened there. <laughs> I suppose we're only talking one or two years ago, so it's still still fresh in the mind. But he obviously has a lot of fondness for, for his spell here. The king of the cornflakes. And uh, you, you remember the staff planting the kiss on him. <laughs> I'd say, how could you forget? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, good, good chat with Dan. Enjoy that. And um, obviously with Derry now, and uh, might be fancying their chances coming to tell. We'll talk about that later. I think so, yeah. It's going to be a um, cracker of a match. I didn't ask him about throwing gate now. That was for the draw, one all draw on Tala earlier in the season. No, nah, we let that one die. We let Sleeping yeah. Dogs lie. He was actually sent off at the end of that game, which I forgot about. Till like, was it 90? Was it during the game? He, or it was very late on, yeah. Uh, he says we don't miss him because Scarcy did so well, but. Having him now. <laughs> but Ferrugia and Cabo being injured so much, pretty much all season, at one point, it looked questionable. Not that we let him because he said himself there he was kind of he was always going to go back to Derry yeah 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 so it's not a case of Brazzer just uh, willingly let him go and he might have timed it right as well considering they're going to be in the money now next year and they're going to start building the team they've got a couple of players we'll talk about them soon mm-hmm. but um, yeah so Prof we're going to talk about that fantastic win Pat's beating us, we, us beating Pat's 1-0 another late late show in your um, brilliant stuff really was and the same team with Green are back on the bench recovering from his knock in front of the south stand that time still mm-hmm. no Burke, Joey or Hart and a bit of solidarity bit of some regulars now starting to play every week So and like we said the build up it was in the four probs it was absolutely jammers and a fantastic crowd turning up and uh, we're onto a good thing here with the four probs prop we have a new home outside of Tallaght it's great to have a little boozer where everybody can turn up and feel welcome so uh, really really happy with everything that's going on at the moment so keep your eyes and your ears peeled for loads more live events and loads more nights in the four probs it's going to be great so Dylan Matz in a pre-match interview reckons he is getting his rewards for working harder and admitted that the penny did drop after a chat with Stephen Bradley Oh, he also said you can't dwell on stuff like that coming out of two competitions in the same week we had a chat and we said what happened has happened there's nothing we could do about it and it was full focus on the league from then on in we did have a few shaky results but we managed to steady it now we're looking forward to this derby so um, so there were the pre-match comments and then on the Pat side we had quite the headline Garrett we had St. Christopher ready for vulnerable hoops like this is a case of if if this was anyone on our team, we would have been hammered about writing team talk, doing all this, doing all that. Um, they did write our team talk for us. Really did. And vulnerable was, the, I don't think, I think maybe two weeks before that we'd have been vulnerable, but not this time around. And we certainly stuck it to them, but Prof, I'm mm-hmm. loving this. Inchicore Incognito. Yep. And all of our fans um, in behind the in behind the, the dugout, we were hearing two hundred. I don't think it was quite that many, was it? No, but it was a nice crowd. It was a nice crowd that made themselves there was, heard. There was a gang of them kind of behind the dugouts, wasn't there? Yeah, I think that's where they decided to congregate. But you're but you're very close to Pat's fans as well. Oh, you'd be all around them. They'd be yeah. all around you, yeah. But they kept their distance anyway. Mm. They knew. They knew. Um, yeah, so new faces, prop four props. We'd plenty. We'd Glennon in there. We'd uh, Dutch Jerry. We'd Buzz Dunster. Few. Uh, Few new yeah. faces, all loving the pub, loving the Rovers atmosphere, and the place was buzzing. It really was. Second, the Rovers went on the telly. The chance rang out. Yeah, no Turner though. He was in Lanzarote on the lookout for Dermot Keady's bar. 
Yeah, which I think closed down maybe a year ago. <laughs> but, you know, you still look. It's it's admirable. Yeah. It's admirable. And just a reminder of the Udger's request. Remember, they're looking for a big space to work on displays and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Heard, heard one of them talking outside to Buzz. And uh, Buzz was kind of interested in this. Saying, oh, like, what, like, give me some specifics. Like, what, what size are we talking? And man just goes, eh... Uh, the size of the cell stand. <laughs> and we're like, oh, hmm. right. Let me see. <laughs> Let me just check all the warehouses I have on file. No, yeah. but once again, they're still looking out, lads. And if anybody can accommodate the altars, please do get yeah. in touch. It wasn't looking good for a while there, though, at the pub, because the, the locals were in there and they weren't budging from the seats, but... I think I heard, why did they choose this pub? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Yeah, We took over the place. Me and Hayley have bonded the bar girl over uh, being the only casuals exposed in that video. The only ones, yeah. The, the only two faces. The cops now have a portfolio. They're they're closing yeah. in on your prof. Even she's calling me prof now. Oh, there we go. That's it. It's official now. Even the four problems of staff are calling me prof. <laughs> you must love it. But four staff chances probably who wanted the game. And we had a Danny pullback. It was cleared for a corner. And then the volleyed over. There should have been a goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barry Carter did brilliantly on the left the touch that he took to take him in at pace coming in from a, a diagonal ball was brilliant uh, squared it and then Danny Danny scores them in his sleep for me unfortunately but uh, he just buried it over the bar and you'd put your house on him to score those but he, it wasn't the beat we didn't have a chance as good as this again until pretty much the end of the match no no pretty much. and it was a good game I think they pressed high they did what they usually do up there they put a lot of pressure on us and it was a good game back and forth uh, the young Abanqua at the centre half position probably I think number 39 he was 17 years this old this fella really impressed yeah, good yeah. ball with his feet good passing getting stuck in didn't let the opportunity phase him at all Stephen McPhail take note please yeah he looked very very good very very yeah. good player that was a debut wasn't it league debut it was yeah so it was it was a shaky and cagey affair at first so we had uh, Sam Bowen at right back so he couldn't play an out position there so we had Cotter constantly going at him Probably a deliberate tactic from from Bradzer. And meanwhile, Barry had to deal with Dara Burns at the same time, who was their threat. He was a menace. Wasn't he was he? really good. Yeah, yeah. He was getting stuck in. I think he is a Northern Irish possible international, and he wants to declare back for Ireland again. But yeah, no, he was. He was. He was a real threat for them down that flank. And uh, Barry, I thought Barry did well. But it was a good battle. Skinned him one or twice, but he did well. There was a penalty claim actually where. Cotter did clip him and if he goes down there it's 100% a penalty. kept going though didn't but he? he kept going and then he goes by grace no contact whatsoever then he goes down not a penalty. so a little bit of the dark arts went wrong there for them yeah. and uh, like we said a cagey cagey first half so they were kind of hitting us on the counter attack a lot weren't they yeah that's it that's what their game was kind of sit back and that's what they, they, they kind of do that every time when they're playing us, even home and away, they kind of sit back mm. and trying to hit us on the on the counter. They don't like to control the game. They wanted to play high and press high, and it's it didn't work ultimately. But we did finish the first half the stronger team, though. So that was encouraging. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Pats fans set off some flares. So a lot of red in Richmond. It did look good. It looked good. I yeah. have to say. It that was cool. But that was the first half, prof. And I thought that, like you said, finished it well, finished it strong, and it was good going into the into the dressing room having to having to deal with that. So second half started, and Forrester, I think Forrester hasn't really done it for me at all. Any games that we've played against, he hasn't dominated. He hasn't he hasn't done the done the business. So a couple of chances early second half, and he headed just wide from a miscued shot. No, he headed just wide, and the other chance was 
shot that he miscued. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a big one. The head art was the a big one. Yeah. It hit the side net and it looked like you need to be you need to hit the target with those. I thought he should have went back across the keeper, you know, make it hard for him. And I think shortly after that mischance, he got injured, didn't he? he? Went off possible concussion. Yeah. And their other big chance was from Sam Bone. This was this was a pile driver. I was watching the replay of this again earlier. This is a, a brilliant save from Manus. Yeah. No, Sam Bone has it in him. We know how that. How does he parry this away? Like this is just fired at him. But he certainly does have it in him. But, uh, you know, we started to grow into it, like you said, Prof. And um, we swapped the subs with Gaffney and Cotter for Aaron Green and Neil Farouge. And some wanted Green to start because he likes this type of game. You know, he likes to get stuck in and he's a bit of, mm. he has a bit of oomph about him. But the one-on-one Prof Green needs to score these. He kind of, and the keeper stayed in his line as well. He didn't kind of advance. Yeah, Greener, you need to score them, but listen, ultimately we won the game, so it doesn't matter what we have to talk about the chances. Well, this actually, the one on one came from another penalty claim for Pats. This was for Richie Tell late on, but uh, definitely not a penalty. I think it hit him on the shoulder or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we hit them on the break from that, so that's where we got the green chance, and then uh, the subs get. Yeah, with McCann coming on for Mandrew, Staff's cousin, absolutely chuffed with this. We're going to try and get him a pair of signed Staff, boots. Staff came back from the Jacks and you just see McCann coming on and you just see people just swarmed around him. Just, no, no, go back, go back, yeah, yeah. go back. Don't watch. Um, and you could take that as a sign that Brazzo was happy with a point but we actually pushed on after that. So that's what I was thinking to myself when I saw him warming up and coming on. I just thought, is Brazzo actually sitting back here? Is he want, does he want this? But yeah. he, was, it didn't, he didn't have one of his terrible games like... People are saying he was diced a couple of times in the middle, but he wasn't terrible when he came on. Like he made a couple of good decisions. No, he wasn't awful. Yeah, um, with the ball at his feet, he decided to clip it into the channels. You could say at a right at the right times. But actually, when McCann was on, Watts ended up pushing further forward, and he was doing a lot of damage. Maybe that's what it was. Push Watts forward, and you can have the ability to keep McCann in front of the back four. Maybe. Yeah, so he forces uh, Yaris into a double save. This was. The last few minutes of the game, and then ultimately it was Watts' free kick for for the goal. So, so Watts he lines it up now. A couple of his corners have been poor in the lead up to this. Didn't beat the first man and wasn't looking good. But um, ball deep in their half, whipped in right in front of the uh, where the shed and invisibles do be. And I thought it wasn't. I looked at it again. It wasn't going to go in with, with the initial touch from Gary O'Neill, but Melvin Lambert. Own goal, 92 minutes, and Q yeah, throws out a leg and mayhem everywhere <laughs> in the back of the net. Everywhere, scenes in Richmond, own goal at Richmond. Scenes in Richmond, scenes yeah. in the Provs, absolute mayhem. Brad's are on the pitch, all over Dublin. Absolutely brilliant. And um, Pat's fans were so impressed with Manus. They threw coins at him. Mm-hmm. They wanted to fill his pockets full of euros. See, there was footage of behind the goal as well. I didn't see it. For no. some reason, the Pats fan was recording the last minute of the match. Why would you do that? Behind the goal. So you get this great footage of Manus set, not going nuts because it's... Oh, I saw that one. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was happy. Yeah, he was a happy yeah. man. And um, Why would you even post that? Why would I, you even I, post that if you're a Pats fan? Unless it's a Rawers fan. Yeah, maybe so. But, um, but the Pats fans, beside the Rawers fans that we were talking about earlier, apparently, well, obviously... They were fuming. Just fuming. Hoping to the veins, bro. Piss being boiled. Boiling hot. 
piss. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, I think the performance, prof, you got to be happy. You got to be happy with a late win in Inchicore. And it was a good spirited performance that we did create chances in and we played well. So you can't. Yeah. I was thinking they were the better team at full time. But then when you watch it back, I just thought, you know what? We pipped them. We pipped them and we got a 1 0 win out late in Inchicore and ultimately a good march on the league title. So I was reading a few. Reactions from fans on Facebook. Uh, Todd Phelan summed it up pretty well. He he felt we shaded it. He said we managed the game very well. And it was very de- shaded it is a good way of saying. Yeah, it. yeah. he said it was a very determined display. I like that. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, they knew they had the bit between their teeth at one stage, and we just ran with it. So really happy with the win. You have to be. And the whack. Every, every time we win games like this, the whack typically says this to me. It's like, oh, it makes your weekend. It just makes it, it. Does it makes your weekend? It really does, and it has such an effect on the next couple of days. So. You're talking about it, you're thinking about it, you're in the pub, you're up, the, up again the next day, having a good mood, so definitely, yeah, it does make your weekend. Oh, the worst one was when we lost the balls on a Monday. Then, like, your your Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are all ruined. Oh. Never mind the weekend. To listen to people and walk, <laughs> all the crap, they don't watch the league. But, uh, yeah, so, Brazzer, it's post-match interview, and he said, anyone can win the cup, but the best team wins the league, and I like that one. Mm-hmm. I like that very much so and then Barry man of the match his interview afterwards it was very uh, just drew you to him even more didn't it what a group very wholesome wasn't it very wholesome yeah it did it just yeah. made you smile so really good from Barry Carter Tony O'Dell mentioned that his, his ma tweeted that he was watching the game or she was watching the game on RTE and then Carter tweeted that and said everything's for you man ah and he's a mammy's boy Duh. nice nah, there we go but uh, you know what I really, really like him. I really, I really, really like him. Yeah. So, staff. What a find! What a find! Yeah, that's just been. T- can you think of anyone who's made more of an more of an impact in a in a mid season sub like or mid season signing like that? I know he hasn't come out of nowhere. I mean, he spent three years at Ipswich and he was highly thought of. But how could you have predicted this impact? No, you couldn't have, and it's been brilliant. It really has been a, a ray of sunshine, but. Staff, that that song is stuck in our heads now, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's deadly. And every time you hear it, you just think of him. (laughs) But Staff, our most solid defensive performance of the season, back-to-back in the biggest games. So love to see it. So really was. We've been brilliant at the back and it's just, must have been something that's been put into our mind by the management. You know, these are the next two games. They're going to be huge. So really, really good performances. Three consecutive clean sheets in the league for the first time since November last year. Oh, profit the stats. And now considering... We only kept four clean sheets in our first 13 league games this year. And now we have three in a row. Starting to ramp it up, Prof. That is the difference. We are ramping it up. And then absolute scenes in the four Profs after. I don't think I've ever seen as much Guinness pulled in my life. This place was turned upside down. I think at one stage someone went up to get a point and they were like, there are no more points. (laughs) There's none. The points are gone. Sold out. Sold out points. One of my favourite parts of the night was because um, we had we had uh, the whack there. We had Robbie Gaffney. Delighted to see them there. I didn't oh, know they were coming. Great to see them. Uh, staff and staff's cousin there, of course. And another uh, rings in slash Northside hoop, Dan. Yes, he's been uh, indoctrinated into the clan. Yeah. You need to get a taxi home. And the whack and Gaffney don't know who this kid is. Never met him before. <laughs> and the words have barely come out of his mouth that he needs money for a taxi home. And Bolt Whack and Gaffney just shove twenties in his face. Here, take them. Just are you a hoop? Yeah. Are, are you a hoop? And just there's money. <laughs> yeah, that's it's great. Just isn't classic it? rollers. 
brilliant stuff. Um, so great scenes. And Dunster tweeted, he said, you needed to be in Kimmage tonight. It was fucking epic. Hashtag we are Rovers. So like we said, plenty more to come in our newfound home. And you like this quote from, from Gaffney, Gary. He just turns to me and goes, this has all the hallmarks of a Rovers pub. Oh, yes. Yes. Love it, Wack. And you know when you when you, uh, when you you smooth it over with the with the elder statesman, it's always good. Yeah. Random observations from the four provinces, Gar. There was a local Canadian girl who was absolutely banjoed. As I think her dog was licking me for a while. <laughs> and I, I just, hope it was I just went along with it. I was like, yeah, someone's licking me leg. That's not bad. I'll go, I'll go ahead with that. I and just then, remember looking around and I was like, yeah, there's a dog for some reason. Yeah. Just came in. Good old dog. Yeah. Doggo's allowed. That's what we want. Dogs allowed in the pub. How about this one, Gar? Lambo has possibly won us the league. And Larmo won Golden Goal. There you go. I like how that sounds. Lambo uh, and Larmo. Lambo and Larmo together as one. But then that's why we're champions rang out and... Uh, that came from the handful of Travelers Shamrock Rovers fans. You can actually hear Park. that and watch, watch the, the last couple of minutes in RTE. It's quite loud. And then, of course, Prof, in the, in the four Provs itself, she wore, got an old rendition as well and it was it felt Did like you, time. You didn't stop them this time, no? No, I started. <laughs> <laughs> it felt right. You started as you were up trying to get more points and being That's told it. there's no more points. It was ridiculous. But, um, yeah, actually, I felt like I got the ball... The best of both worlds in Inchicore this season. Because the one in May, where we got the last minute from Danny, <laughs> I was lucky enough to be there for that one. And I went mad for that. And this time I was in the four provinces for another late one. And it was great cracking there as well. So enjoy both of those for different reasons. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Some of the pictures were, were great. Uh, there's one of Pigo with his fingers up, dancing to the Pigo Pigo song. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine him just in his room? It's like... <laughs> Um, Roberto same song has been on over and over again for four hours yeah <laughs> call me Pico call me Pico man and there's the black and white photos of the staff these were epic that is gonna go down in history as an epic photograph yeah it looked like mm-hmm. uh, it's like a scene 19, before 1916 rising something like that wasn't it? <laughs> yeah and we're in the far probs and then that table comes up on the screen nine points clear Game with hands. a game in hand beautiful. it's like wow beautiful stuff but we're not counting chickens because robbers have blown leads before 1994 and 2010 if you're old enough to remember them we we know not to get too ahead of ourselves yeah, yeah. no we know we know but it's yeah. nice to get a little bit excited as well of course it is uh, the cup semi-final draw was immediately afterwards once again, absolutely no balls swirling. No swirling of the balls yet. Just swirl the balls. Swirl your balls. It's not hard. Do it all the time. Swirl the I balls. I swirl my balls all the time. Then you can avoid all these tin tinfoil hat conspiracies. You know? <laughs> yeah, I just, know. Just yeah. swirl them. First thing you should do is when you are told you're doing the cup semi-final draw, well, swirl the balls. We get enjoyment out of swirling balls. I can't even, was this Conan Byrne? Yeah, Conan Byrne. He addressed it on uh, the podcast. Oh, I haven't heard it. Con hammered him. Con hammered yeah. up for not swirling his balls. You have one job. Con was swirling his balls all around the studio. <laughs> he was like, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. You should only see what Gary just did with his hand there. <laughs> the I'm, action. I'm glad you people were, were spared that. Uh, Rob Lavelle says, if Waterford win the cup, Gary has to do a full podcast in a oh, Cockney accent. Fucking hell. Fucking hell, fucking Gary, man. Um, 
Stephen Bradley Prof, he has opened fire on critics who have questioned Shamrock Rovers' stomach for a league title defence. We have had to listen to a lot of nonsense last five or six weeks, questioning us and questioning the team's character, and I thought we have responded really well. That's down to the group. We closed the door, stayed together, and answered the critics on the pitch, and that's what they have done. And big credit to the backroom staff and everybody who have instilled a fantastic mentality to within this team in um, the height of, you could say, a mini-crisis and a blip in form. So it's been really good and mentally the team has played a blinder. And then we have asked who he had in his line of fire and the criticism that irked him and Bradley said, there's too much of it to go into it. I could write you an email, it's too long. It's nice. It gives you motivation. It's interesting, some of it. A lot of nonsense and hot air. The players see it and recognise it and we can use it. And we have. We're top of the league. We're defending our title. And I understand attention comes when you lose four games. But it was a lot of nonsense. Listen, it does a lot of work for you. The players feel it. They read into it. And I think that they felt that they were a little disrespected at times. We can use that. It fires you up. It makes you want to go again. And you've done that. They've been excellent. But there are still a lot of games to go. And a lot of points to play for. So that's three injury time winners over Longford. Two over Pats. One over Drada. And one over Doita in Europe. So, Prof, we're making a habit of this. Yeah, and some the late late show memes were out in force. In terms of the league game, someone added up that uh, we've we've earned fourteen points after the ninetieth minute of games this season, turning six draws into wins and two losses into draws. That is champion form, prof. The form of champions, as they say. And that same interview that you're quoting from there with uh, Stephen Bradley, he also hailed Barry Cotter, and he said he's been excellent. He's come in and had to learn how we play. I really, really like him. I really, really like him, Bradley added. Uh, <laughs> b- before we signed him, I watched a few of his games and it was left wing back that he played. So I knew he could play there. I've obviously seen him right back, right wing back in midfield. He'll tell me his favourite position is number 10. Oh! Yeah. He's a bit of an all-rounder, but his attitude has been brilliant. He needs to stay there and if he stays focused, we've got a really good player in our hands. And then the piece mentions about how Cotter lost his way in England after leaving Ipswich. Had a loan spell with Chelmsford City. But uh, Bradley says, it can happen to everyone in any walk of life. When we had the chat with Barry, we sat down for a few hours. And it was about if he had the fire in his belly to go again. And he has. He's a good kid, a good family. And he's going to be a good player for us in the coming years. He was getting pushed to Holland, Belgium and elsewhere. Took a bit of persuading to get him here, but thankfully we did. Oh yes. I would have watched him at Limerick when I was scouting for Arsenal, so I knew all his qualities. He just lost his way a little bit in England, but that can happen quite easily. We overlooked that, and he's a very, very good footballer. I thought he was tailor-made for that level, as his athletic ability is plain for everyone to see. He needs some work in certain areas, but his raw materials are very, very good. Oh, the raw materials. And that's it. Keep him, keep him level-headed as well. Don't don't build him up too much. Tell him he has to improve a little bit as well. I like that. I like the psychology of that. Good stuff from Bradder. So, Prof, the other results. Me fucking waterfall. How do you get dry, you fucking wibbly? What's, what's Mark Burstyn's thoughts on uh, Gary Deegan getting a red card in this game? You fucking red card. He fucking mug. He's a fucking mug. That's what he is. <laughs> Fucking bows wibbly. What do you think you should do in work uh, in the in the DBH care? Oh, I'll have to fashion some sort of red card out of some sort of material <laughs> and show it to him every time I see him. And talk to him in the Bertram accent. <laughs> yeah. But what for 1 0 anyway? Draw it. And they beat them in Derry 3, Longford 0. Starting to build a bit of steam now. Derry are coming up to that third position, prof. 
Dundalk 4, Sligo 1. An absolute hammering for Sligo there on a slippery, slippery slope again. Yeah. Another two goals for, for Holborn there. And remember my stat? Before this game, Dundalk had lost six of the seven league games that he had scored in. It's one of my favourite stats. And finally won. Finally won when he scored a goal. <laughs> and then we have, of course, Bowes with, I told you, dressing room's not right. Lost 2-1 at home to Finn Harps and, of course, Eden Boyle. Scoring an absolute cracker 2-0 and then they scored late on but they held on Harps fantastic win in Daly Mount Park Eaton Cafu Eaton Cafu <laughs> and poor Alan Cody Gary said Finn Harps have no chance and the balls will win comfortably there you go. and There's then he the got team. the curb your enthusiasm treatment that was brilliant fantastic video fair play whoever made that brilliant stuff he's officially declared his love now for balls isn't he yeah I think so I actually haven't listened in a while but it's just been building now to the point where he just all but admits that he's a Bowes fan. I know he is. He officially did, yeah. He mm. pretty much did on Twitter, yeah. 100%. Mm. So that's him. Done, Wonder, dusted. Does he still think they're in a title race? Is he on the list of hatred? Are they, how many million points are they behind now? <laughs> I think still it's in the title 21. race. I think it's in the yeah. 20s now, prof. Yeah. I actually lost a life in the last man, last man standing, but totally worth it. It mm. meant Bowes lost. And you didn't even think. Remember, I was we, still happy. We were under the impression that there wasn't any lives, but prof is still alive. And that's, Lavelle's, that's Lavelle's fault again. Lavelle, get your finger out with this last man. He standing. said there was no lives. And Prof is still alive and kicking. Yeah. Because 90% of went for Derry. Also, there was a tweet from Finn Harps. I don't know how real this was, but they said, Sean Boyd booked after trying to high-five Talbot after a good save. <laughs> That's called shit hellsry. <laughs> and then, of course, don't doubt Beatballs 2-1 on the Monday night as well. So, two losses in a row for the Bowers. And it's not been good. Dressing room is in tatters. Did you look at the league table? The dock are four points off balls. It's brilliant. They're, could they be dragged in? Can they be dragged into this relegation playoff, bro? I see Keith Long has blamed the schedule on these defeats. I saw that, yeah. When I saw that, I just thought, you know what? What's he clutching out here? Like, he was, Obviously, they have to do media, and he's just thinking, how can I dress up a couple of terrible weeks? And he's going to blame the schedule. But if they had won those games, he would have praised the group for coming together in such a tight schedule and all this bullshit. So we shall move on. And a game away to Dundalk on Friday will be live on RTE and the Wack Express and the Larrys are running the bus. So book on if you haven't booked on yet. And it's going to be a cracker of a trip. What a shithole. <laughs> uh, Dundalk, happy birthday tweet about McElhaney and Derry's shithousery once again. Derry also tweeted it and said happy birthday <laughs> to our new man coming in. And then Dundalk removed the tweet. And then they, oh, did, did they remove him? They actually did. And then they are starting to pick away at that squad as well, but Duffy announced. We'll talk about that in a while. Four year deal. Four year deal. All those billions coming in. Scalesy Prof. Good stuff. Scalesy made his debut for Celtic last week. Came on with an assured performance against Wraith Rovers in the middle of the park, I believe. So good stuff from Scalesy. Good and to see him. And apparently on the Celtic Twitter feed, not that I would ever go anywhere near a Celtic Twitter feed, but a lot of love for him on there. It's good. We know how much of a good player he is and we know he's going to do well, but it will take time, unfortunately. He'll take time to settle in like most players. So, And our own Graham Gartland, very complimentary about him. He says that he can become an Ireland mainstay. Oh, Gartsy again with the comments. So good stuff from Gartz and Jack, Jack Bourne Prof. He's floating around Birmingham. He won't be able to sign for a UK or Irish club this year. Because he wasn't a free agent when the window was open, I believe. So because he has his contract cancelled up or whatever mm. way it works, he's a, he's in limbo. So mm. it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up training with us. 
And then that's when you start to get the claws in. That's when you start to reel them in. Come on, little fishy. You get a little... Get on that hook there. Wear an extra jack. That's reel the question. Reel them in, yeah. So what's he going to do? What do players like that in that situation do? They just don't play. They just train. That's what it has to be. So he's in danger of becoming the jack born he was before he signed for Rovers. You know, stuck in the doldrums. Stuck in... I think he's just in a situation where he's lost a year of his career. Kind of... In some ways, unfortunately, because he picked up an injury. Yeah. In other ways... Losing there, Mick as well. There was an article on Balls.ie. Did you read that? No, I didn't get a chance. Saying that the, the warning signs were there about this move to Cyprus. <laughs> what about the 15 managers in two well, years? Well, exactly. The, the person who wrote the article isn't saying he shouldn't have gone to Cyprus. It's just saying he shouldn't have gone to Applewell. Mm. Mental club. Look at their managerial history. Yes, they had... They qualified for Europe every year since 2001. But when he signed, they were struggling... True, but then you could look at it on the other coin and you could say, on the other side of the coin, and say, well, they have a record of selling players to bigger European clubs and mm. if he had played well, he could have got one of those tr- transfers, but it didn't work out for him, unfortunately. But hopefully Jack will be back in the hoops soon enough. RT Sport, Chief Declan McBennett on LOI Central. This is a fiery interview, Prof. Uh, lines have been crossed at League of Ireland grounds where some RT staff have felt uncomfortable with the crowds. Um... I don't know what I I felt like he went he came on and he was trying to make a statement and he was just trying to come out and fight a corner. I thought he could have been a little bit more um, open to a discussion. It was a very defensive interview. Yeah, straight off the bat I got that and I didn't like that straight away. I just thought to myself, Do you know what? There's no need for that whatsoever. There's no one fighting each other, there's no us versus them, it should be all together where he came out fighting. That's what it kinda of felt like and he said he wants closer title races as well, thought- which no, I thought he spoke intelligently. For I had mo- a stats in that, didn't he? For yeah. the most part. But, he kind of, just kind of to jump on what you were saying there, he he had an answer for everything, which is not actually a good thing. Having an answer for everything shows that you're not leaving any room there for any error on your part. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. So he's pretty much saying, okay, everything we do is right. You can't tell us that we're wrong. And... Shut up, pretty much. So I know I didn't. I wasn't a fan really of him. He, and I, I, think, I think he did a bit of research on Monaghan beforehand, or a bit of local football, <laughs> and just decided to <laughs> spout random names. Johnny Ward saying like you didn't even go to Monaghan, and then he's like, well, no one went to Monaghan games. <laughs> but uh, I want to know your opinion on Johnny Ward. Actually, what do you think of him in this debate? I I liked it. I liked him coming out a bit spiky. I thought Johnny Ward did well in it. I was, ha- I was happy in, enough for him. In, in some parts, it was a bit cringe. In others, I was like, "No, you're, you're right to go after him here." Yeah, I think so because it's been it's been coming. Like, I mean, this the coverage of the league is shocking and it's terrible. And to mm. come out and defend it, but you'd I have think that big brass balls. I think your man is right though in saying that it doesn't matter if he's a League of Ireland fan to do his job correctly. I oh, I um, agree with him on that. I to a certain extent, I'd agree with him. Um, I think he'd have a better knowledge and he'd have a better was, inside info on how to actually... But that was a lot of what Johnny was coming at him yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just think that... I thought it could have went better. I thought it could have went a lot mm. better and I don't think their relationship will be flourishing after this, put it that way. He might come out now with a bit of a stick up his arse against the LOI. Now, obviously, he has a job to do but like he said, he has no input. I think he was saying he has no input in... It's just the production value is all he has input in. So mm. that's what they're looking well, at. And ultimately, it's chosen by stats. What I found was a lot of the argument was 
they show 18 games a season, I think. Is it, it 18? Yeah, he was and saying... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the argument seemed to be a lot about should it be more than 18? Should we show 18? Plus, should we have shown, you know, the, the Bose poke games and all that stuff? And, and you were right about that. He had a, he had a, he had a reason and an explanation yeah. for everything, didn't he? About yeah. All those questions. But it's kind of all about, like, this is our budget and we... How do we justify putting more of our budget into this and not women's hockey or whatever, whatever? How about give us some greyhound money, maybe some of that? Whereas not enough time was spent on... Now, use your budget better in a more rounded package of promotion. Like the stuff that SRFC TV do, do on the stream. Like at halftime, we have stuff on Kevin Zeffi or initiatives yeah, or yeah, yeah. building up players... Like talking about them, turning them into local heroes, stuff like that. If you put more into that rather than just, oh, we have to show a live game in Drahada this week, here you go, that's one down. Okay, we have to go to Dundalk next week, that's two it's down. It's like a chore, isn't it? We're doing our job, aren't we? We yeah, showed yeah. a live game at Oriel Park. There's no effort put go into us. it. It's a chore, okay, well, we have to do it this week, so let's put on mm. something, you know? I think a little bit more effort could have put in, and I think, I think Johnny Warren made a good point about the Drahada Pats game, and you know? Dan McDonald made a good point about the draw of the Pats game being put on telly where it's the second or third most important game that weekend. So yeah. I think there was some a lot of good points made. That was a lads. good point, yeah. And he also said that, he said this quite a few times, didn't he? We, we follow the champions in terms of like, because he was being asked about not showing bows. You know? He was saying, well, our policy has always been to follow the champions. So we had first refusal. And they refused or whatever. It. But they offered us fight a five PM kickoff for Slovan. Madness. And he never he never really defended that properly, I felt. How could we have a five PM kickoff for a champ our first Champions League game in ten years? And just kinda of fuck ourselves over. How are our fans gonna to get to the stadium exactly. at five PM? Fucking ourselves over just to have it on RTE. But no chance. Particularly in Ivy Rose, he kept on mentioning the Manus penalty save. He kept saying, Oh, Adam Manus saves a penalty on the last in the last minute if he doesn't save that it's 3-0 and it's over I'm like but he did save it so what What are you talking about it for I think was there a quote somewhere recently said if me Andy had wheels she'd be a bike <laughs> it's like somewhere he, I heard that somewhere yeah. if she me Andy had wheels she'd be a bike something like that but um, he like I felt like he kept saying that just to justify oh it seemed like rovers were gone and it was impossible to come back and then, of course, we did come back and it was a cracking game. So I think his argument is out the window there about following the champions. Yeah, definitely agree with you. Yeah, so Prof, he wants closer title races as well. Um, like this, it's it's kind of, how can you how can you say that? Like, is he talking purely entertainment value for fans? Because, I don't know, it's, it's a tough one to kind of to kind of say. I thought it was a bit of a stupid statement, to be honest. Yeah, I don't like that kind of nonsense. Because it reminds me of changing the team, the number of teams in the league from twelve to ten, because you want more meaningful games. Yeah, it just that's a kind of a a lazy argument. It sounds like you're running out of ideas, then you're just going to start blaming the weather on attendance, yeah. that sort of stuff. And there was a tweet from Dermot Looney. He said, "This was after we beat Pats. Obviously, a poke at um, at Dermot, or sorry, Declan." And he said, on behalf of St. Pat's, I wish to apologise to RT Sport and Mr. McBenna that our team, on a fraction of the budget of Shamrock Rovers and comprising numerous teenagers, 
is unable to provide them with a close enough title race at this stage of the season, we'll do better next year. That's a digs at a couple of a couple of people now, but <laughs> still, I, I, I don't know how I felt about that tweet now, to be honest. Great reply by Jake. Um, Jake, friend of ours, he says, if only they had a billionaire who has pumped more money in than Desmond <laughs> and racked up huge, huge losses. <laughs> and then someone else mentions Desmond in Twitter and then John Byrne comes in and he scathing goes, hopefully John Byrne comes the in and he goes he goes yeah and also 5 million euros put in by members since 2002 yeah just a little just a few quid there you go just a few quid so that is it for uh, Mr McBennett he's dead and buried underage results prof we have the under 19s there's 2-1 to Derry at the Brandwell we spoke about the 19s and Derry starting to get a bit of momentum and Dean McMenemy on the score she unfortunately we've lost 2-1 there the 17s won 2-0 against Bray and Enniscary and the women's 17s they beat Cork 2-0 at the Roadstone so a good result for the ladies and the 15s were knocked out of Cup 1-0 at Shelbourne we always talk about Shelbourne having a competitive team at that age and the 14s went through their cup tie 3-2 win over UCD so Garth's boys true in the cup so good to hear and of course Prof Barry Cotter we really really like him he won the player of the month award for September the most unsurprising well, news of the week yeah well deserved and um, it was a landslide too 60% next highest was 17 uh, he had it wrapped up didn't he wrapped up the only surprising thing was the options it was Gaffney Gary O'Neill and Lopez I thought surely Finn yeah, Fitter has been brilliant in every game. Yeah, and I think possibly it could be the management team who decided on those ones. We're not too sure. Could have been a strategic move on their part to t- keep them out, keep them, keep them honest. And Prof, of course, happy Whitehart Lane Day. As we record this ten year anniversary of Whitehart Lane, so some fantastic memories popping up on Facebook. Loads of loads of videos, loads of photos of some very very young and skinny hoops. <laughs> not the case anymore. Some of recognisable. Of course, everyone's got a pictures of Scarborough, haven't they? Spurs nil, Rovers won on 50 minutes. How cool! How good is that angle from behind? I mean, someone just happened to be taken and you just oh, see the little yeah. flick from Royce. are totally, totally meant as well. And they just pan to the, the other stand and you get the scope of just how many hoops are in that Bedlam. stadium. Fans everywhere. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So happy Roy Lane Day, everybody. Happy Royster Day as well. Happy Royster Day, yeah. And some fandom, or some fandom, some random Facebook post caught our eye. Kieran Fleming said, Just heard a girl in Fair City say, I'll buy you a season ticket for Shamrock Ramblers. Yep. The Shamrock Ramblers, eh? <laughs> someone in their department is definitely having a dig. And the other random one was, uh, Someone spotted a demolished Tolka Park sticker. On a road sign in Shankill. Demolished Tolka Park. A far cry from the same yeah. one anyway. Might have been Usher. <laughs> you never know. And Prof, of course, your uh, weekly wanker moment pops up. And it's the quiz, of course. I got a measly 4 out of 10. And once again, it is the bane of my week. It's a, it's a tradition now. I get, it goes up on Twitter. And then I get a text from Gary saying, wanker. Typical. I'll get 10 eventually, and when I do, I'm retiring. Never, ever doing another one ever again. But uh, of course, of course, prof up next, we have a fantastic tribute to the man mountain that was Jimmy Keane. So you're going to hear contributions from Bill Tormey, Robert Goggins, Paul Doolan, Robbie Gaffney, Noel Sinnott, The Whack, Mick Cairns, Tom McCran, Jim Conroy, and Richard Tully. Hello, uh, my name is Bill Tormey. I'm a former um, director of Rovers. And I was there in the RDS regime when we won the league. 
Jimmy Keane is an absolute hero of people of my vintage for Rovers. Uh, he was involved in the Big J and he had a full page of the program uh, for himself and his brother and they, they, they were like the replacement, uh, replaced by Woody's later. Uh, Jimmy was an ardent Bertie supporter in the Drumcondra Mafia, believe it or not. He had a fantastic Dublin accent. It was one of the old type Dublin accents from the South Circular Road. And Jimmy was the definition of a Rovers character. He used to read the teams and read all the notices in Milltown. He was also involved, centrally involved in the fundraising to put floodlights in Milltown. And also when the Kilcoins exited, he was a huge organiser for Cram, himself and the late Brian Murphy. And you couldn't meet a nicer fella than Jimmy Keane, that's all I would say. But he would defend Bertie to the death, despite the evidence of what was going on in Milltown behind the scenes. Robert Goggins. It's a true but very sad fact that people who dedicate so much of their lives to a cause are easily forgotten in time. There have been so many people down the years who have dedicated a lot of their lives contributing to Shamrock Rovers in some way or other, and in doing so, safeguarded the club for other generations such as ourselves. Jimmy Keane was one such individual. When I began following the hoops, I hadn't a clue as to the structure of the club, that is to say who owned it, and to be honest, it wasn't something that really concerned me. In time, I learned through news items, etc., that Louis Kilcoyne was the club secretary, but I couldn't have told you who else was in the club at the time. Each Sunday, I stood on the terrace and directly below the main stand, and I was watching as the VIPs and such people would make their way up to the comfort of the stand itself. I began to get a feel through my observations as to who were the prominent people, as it were, in the club, but didn't know any of their names. Jimmy Keane stood out for me, though. At the time, there was a well-known comedian on TV by the name of Frank Carson, who had a catchphrase, It's the way I tell him. I thought Jimmy was a Frank Carson lookalike, and that's probably why he was easily recognisable to me. As I got to know Jimmy very well over the years, I realised from some of his crummy jokes that a professional comedian he definitely was not. Few of us, I suspect, can actually remember that the first time we spoke to most of the people we have gotten to know. I can remember clearly the day I met Jimmy for the first time. At the time, I was working for a company by the name of Dockwells on the Belgard Road. This particular branch was to be the forerunner for Atlantic Home Care. We were first in Ireland in the business to open late nights, Sundays and bank holidays. Jimmy had his own billet provider's business, the aptly named Big J in Churchtown. It was on St. Patrick's Day in 1982 and Rovers were playing in Drogheda. I had to work, but I wasn't the only Rovers fan to miss the game. I was surprised to see Jimmy walk into the store. He's probably concerned what damage this new style sort of store in the home care retail business could do to operations such as Big J. I recognised him instantly. It was probably the Frank Carson look. And I got chatting to him. I didn't know many people in Rovers at the time, so Jimmy would have been one of the first people I became acquainted with. Within a short period of time, I began to become familiar with the background of the club itself and who was who. Jimmy was the chairman of the supporters club. I had become more involved with the patrons club and fundraising for the football club and he stood down from the supporters club committee. He would have been one of the guarantors of the loan that was taken out to pay for the installation of floodlights at Milltown. 
He also did the PA on match days. I will never forget when, in 1983, Rovers played an unusual friendly game against the visiting Japanese university. The names of the opposition would have been hard to pronounce for sure, but being the dedicated pro that he was, Jimmy managed this task with aplomb. Some of the other contributors will no doubt mention that despite having had a good relationship with Kilcoins and having been close to the top table, Jimmy vehemently opposed the sale and commercial development of Glenmore Park. It was Jimmy who came up with the name Cram, the keeper of the Milltown Group, set up to oppose the sale of the ground. Post Kilcoin era, Jimmy became a club director. He was a very approachable type of person, always very jovial and pleasant to deal with. He gave myself and Paul Doolan a huge dig out when we were putting the hoops book together. I remember one Sunday afternoon at a meeting involving the three of us at the Lenser Barn Rat Mines, Jimmy pulled out a big book that he had kept from the time he was much younger and following Rovers. It was his own book and he had kept a handwritten record of all the games with results and goal scores. That was certainly a big help to me in filling in a lot of gaps in my own records. Jimmy was also a member of the Fianna Fáil party and was staunchly loyal to Bertie Hearn. It was through this connection that I got an exclusive piece written by Bertie himself, who was the then Taoiseach, for the 100 Years book that I did. I remember it was at the unveiling in 1988 of the Milltown Monument by Bertie Hearn that I encouraged Jimmy to ask the Taoiseach if he would be willing to write a piece himself for the book. It was a bit cheeky of me, but I knew if anyone could pull this off, it would be, G- would be Bertie. True to his word, I got the piece from Bertie, but I had one other request, and again I was pushing my luck. Could I get a photo of Bertie sitting in his office at government buildings? This was no bother to Jimmy either, and me, and Joe Caldwell met Bertie in his office and I got the photo I was looking for. In many ways, Jimmy Keane was the go-to man at the club during different administrations. He was always very obliging. My memory of him is that he liked to smoke and a drink and his regular haunt was the Junction Bar which was located on the corner of Wexford Street and Kevin Street. More often than not you would find Jimmy sitting at the bar there. He'd been unwell for a number of years before he died in 1999. No doubt, like many others, Jimmy had believed he would see Rovers play a brand new stadium in Tala. It didn't happen for him, but it is to people such as Jimmy Keane that we today owe a debt of gratitude for all of the probably mostly unseen and certainly undocumented work and contributions made that has survived the ensured survival of this great and famous club of ours. I'll finish by adding that Jimmy was a huge fan of Paddy Coates, and when myself and Paul Doolan were putting the hoops book together, Jimmy brought me down to Waterford to meet Paddy, and I conducted a detailed interview with this man who remains to this day the greatest ever player to have done the green and white jersey. My dad was a huge fan also of Paddy Coates, I don't think you'd believe that I'd gone to Waterford to meet Paddy. Dad certainly never saw that coming, but when you get to become good friends with the Frank Carson lookalike that walked into the shop where you worked one day back in 1982, that's what can become possible. It was certainly a pleasure having gotten to know Jimmy Keane. Paul Doolan. Jimmy Keane was a larger-than-life character at Rovers. He was an eternal optimist and... Love Rovers through and through. Some people said that if he ever bled, he'd bleed green and white. Jimmy was very instrumental in getting floodlights installed in Milltown through his work with the Shamrock Rovers Development Association, which approached the Coins in, in 1980 and fundraises, fundraised for the installation of floodlights and eventually got them installed in April 1982. 
when the Kilcoynes decided to sell Milltown and move Rovers to Talca Park, Jimmy Keane was centrally involved in the opposition to the move. In fact, it was Jimmy that came up with the name Crown, Keep Rovers at Milltown. They had meetings with the Kilcoynes, but the Kilcoynes weren't interested in um, selling Milltown to Rover supporters. Then in July 1988, when John McNamara approached by the club, Jimmy was centrally involved in the negotiations to keep Rovers in football because the supporters club told John McNamara that they would not go into Talca Park. So they made a deal with Bohemians to rent out Daily Mount Park for a few seasons and Jimmy was involved with that. Um, as we know in September 1990 Rovers moved to the RDS and um, Jimmy was on the board of directors at the time and although we got to the cup final in 1991 we were beaten by Galway and our only success in the whole time from the leaving of Milltown to starting in Tallinn in 2009 was the league winning title at the RDS in 1994 and I know that it was Jimmy's one of Jimmy's proudest moments to see Rovers lift the league trophy in April 1994. Jimmy was very generous in his time to Rovers and to Rovers people and he, he was a thorough gentleman and he, he'll always be remembered fondly by Rovers supporters. Doc, uh, Robbie Gaffney here in relation to Jimmy Cain, the late, great Jimmy Cain. First time I met uh, Jimmy, I arrived down to Milltown for uh, training after Giles had got the squad back for pre-season. And I actually thought Jimmy was the, uh, was the owner of the club because for a long time, Jimmy was our go-to stroke liaison person between the players and the... Uh, the, the club because the Kilcoynes would have played no real role in terms of the uh, any intervention with the players and there was a uh, guy there at the time um, one of Giles's best friends a guy called Jimmy Shields he was the sort of secretary of the club but um, more so uh, towards Eamon uh, Dunphy Giles Tracy as opposed to the uh, um, the playing squad and our go-to person was um, Jimmy Keane and I don't know, I must ask the great Senator Mick McCarthy what his actual role was in um, in in the club because to me he seemed to be the owner stroke caretaker uh, um, he looked after I think the, the cabaret in the Hoops Club um, he gave us discounts in his um, in his, his uh, hardware store in, his hardware store in Churchtown, so we all got uh, a discount there. Um, uh, to me, he sort of was, and then on 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 match day, our uh, coach, he seemed to be there in the car park as well. Uh, and I don't think anybody ever asked what actually does Jimmy do because he, he appeared to me to be doing uh, loads of the stuff that a secretary of the club would do, and um, he just did it himself. One of the great nights I remember was the the night I won the first player of the year uh, again the way Jimmy organised 
he was very professional in relation to you know anything he did when he put on that with the other lads when he put on that night in the um in the hoops club uh, i just have this great uh, memory of him being on the stage coordinating everything getting us all sorted and seated at the table and uh, and then as far as i know he and uh, i can't remember who it was as well um you know presented the trophy as well the player of the year trophy but to me he, he was mr shamrock rovers for lots of reasons and lots of ways but never ever known what his actual full role was um but a true truly great man a lovely man uh, uh, for us to be involved in in the club and uh heavily involved in cram heavily involved in anything to do with the supporters as well so he sadly missed uh i could just imagine him now i'd say if he was looking at tala uh in relation to the facilities and everything that goes with it now um, and where the club is currently uh god he'd be made up he'd be made up he'd be just one of these people now that would attend every function and be there for everything got to do with the club so jimmy kane may he rest in peace take care hi carl it's noel Sinnott here uh, just a few words about well uh, dedicated shamrock rovers supporters and uh, i think there's quite a few of them uh, but unfortunately uh, we've lost one there a few years ago uh goes by the name of jimmy kane uh, jimmy was a real in your face type of uh, supporter he uh as far as I remember now, he would be always have a smile on his face and always had a cigarette, either in his mouth or in his hand. And it was a sort of a... Uh, he, wouldn't, he, he wouldn't be shy about telling you now how well or how, how well you didn't do uh, in a game. But at the same time, it was never, never ever derogatory. It was always with a smile on his face and a little laugh. Uh, I'm not too sure whether you can actually say a laugh with Jimmy because it was more of a, a, a cackle. Um, uh, <laughs> and he'd be slagging you maybe uh, while he's pushing his glasses up on top of his nose. Uh, but he was always there, uh, come any sort of weather, hail, rain or shine. Uh, and uh, uh, he, he was one of the guys who, through the bad times as well, um, I, I remember... Uh, Jimmy, certainly, um, when I joined the club in 1974, such a long time ago, I joined that club uh, all, all those years ago. Um, you know, and we went through a couple of rough times, uh, but uh, that that was, it made no difference to Jimmy. Jimmy was there to support the club he loved, um, uh, and I'm sure he'd done it from a boy. Uh, and uh, I'm equally assured that also his family must still be uh, involved somewhere along the line in regard to supporting probably the best club in Ireland uh, and and certainly is over the last couple of years um so he, he was a great a great character um a, a, a great guy he was always first there to congratulate you when things went well um and to commiserate when things didn't go so well but again with that smile with that cackle instead of a laugh um so Jimmy was one of the greats and there are many, many more uh, like him, um, even up to now, at Shamrock Rovers. Uh, it was wonderful to have known him. Uh, he, he departed this place a little too early, in my view. Uh, unfortunately, he's gone. Um, 
you you'll still get people like him, but uh, for me, uh, Jimmy Kane was a top man, and I'm delighted to be able to just say those few words and pass them on to anybody who who didn't know him. Uh, it's a terrible pity because uh, he was a true great in regard to being a supporter and lover of Shamrock Rovers. Okay, so I'll leave it there. Um, I hope you've taken a little bit from this um, to say that uh, uh, it's wonderful to see all uh, real dedicated supporters of Rovers uh, through thick and thin, and that is the most important thing. Okay, I'll leave you there. Thanks, Carl. Talk to you soon. Bye. Michael Cairns here, um, Shamrock Rovers fan, obviously, but um, in memory of Jimmy Keane, Jimmy, I met in the late 70s, early 80s, um, when we were setting up the Shamrock Rovers Supporters Club in Milltown. Um, Jimmy was part of the of the hierarchy in the club at that stage, working for the Kilcoins. What an absolute gentleman Jimmy was. Um, I always remember him. He, do, he used to do the PA system in Milltown, and he was he was fairly good at it, in fairness to him. He had it off to a fairly good spin. Um, and he'd done an offer of uh, fundraising for the Kilcoins and various guys and various committees like the Shamrock Rovers Floodlighting Committee. Jimmy was was, was uh, at the forefront of that, trying to get the money to get the floodlights in and the forefront of loads of stuff, trying to keep the club on the on the road. Um, but he was a great Shamrock Rovers fan and a great great Rovers man in, in general. Um, I always remember when we were painting and decorating Milltown every... Um, May and June, leading into the new season, Jimmy ran uh, Big J Hardware up in uh, Churchtown Landscape Road, and we used to go up to Jimmy and collect as much paint and p- paint brushes and whatever we needed to make the ground look pristine. And he was always brilliant for us. So he'd give us a lot of paint, and we we do everything we had to do. But Jimmy was Jimmy was 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 really cemental around the club and this when 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 just before the Kilcoins, um done what you don't but um and then he then he got involved in the in the crown committee which which was another another uh, monumental thing that jimmy was part of but he was always around the club always willing to help and uh, just just a general jimmy was just just a great great man and um, he was devastated when the coins done what they were doing he didn't believe my start we, we used to say to jimmy jimmy they're doing this they're going no it's not going to happen but it did happen, unfortunately, as we all know. But uh, Jimmy done his best then to try and try and stop it and try and try and um, put the put the put the brakes on it. But uh, he was a great friend of Bertie Hearns. And I remember one day he had Tom Kidd up there outside Milltown on a truck saying, "Which won't be happen. We'll save the ground and all that." But uh, look, in general, Jimmy Jimmy done everything he could to help the club in every way. So uh, all I can say is <clears throat> he also used the whole court down in a little pub called The Junction on the corner of uh, Wexford Street and Kevin Street. But I don't know if a lot of Rovers fans are from York Street and Kevin Street of apartments and flats. And Jimmy used the whole court in there. Uh, he was a big fan of Fall Man and a big Shamrock Rovers man. But he was pretty good friends with Jimmy Gillespie, who still goes today, another, another great Rovers man from down that area. And um, look, Jimmy will always be missed in Shamrock Rovers. That's all I can say. What a what a what a brilliant brilliant Shamrock Rovers man to the car. Thank you, Bobby. My name is Tom McRan, and I'm supporting Rovers for over fifty years. I'm honoured to be invited to say a few words about the late great Jimmy Keane. I met Jimmy in the early years of the Kilkine area era. Jimmy followed Rovers with his good friend Jimmy Gillespie up and down the country. Jimmy had two big passions in life, Fianna Fáil and, of course, his beloved Rovers. Jimmy enjoyed a smoke and a pint 
and I had many a session with Jimmy, often in the Hoops Bar, or particularly in his local, The Junction. It was particularly in, a, in his local. Jimmy would enjoy many debates with his friends, and there was plenty of banter, with Jimmy giving as good as he got, and he would passionately argue against anyone who tried to slag off Rovers. Uh, Jimmy got involved big time with fundraising for the club. I served in several committees with him. He uh, he supported all kinds of fundraising for, for the club, selling tickets, attending and managing uh, events, uh, donating raffle prizes. And he also supported the programme with a full page ad uh, for his business, Big J. Because he was well known and respected by supporters, he also got people to support the club. He got people to join the Patrons Club, set up by the recently deceased Brian Murphy. And he also got people to, to support uh, ticket sales and fundraise and uh, ticket sales and uh, functions and selling tickets for anything that was going uh, for the club. Biggest, Jimmy's biggest success was convincing the very reluctant Kilkines to erect floodlights in Milltown. Without Jimmy's powers of persuasion, the floodlights would never have happened. And then Jimmy served on the floodlight committee to raise the money to pay for the lights. Indeed, Jimmy was one of a very small number of supporters who actually gained the trust and confidence of the Kilkines. He was able to raise issues with them and he was also able to have his say in the running of the club. However, as we all know now, that trust counted for nothing in the end. We recognise some great players from the past and we recognise them as legends. But Jimmy Keane was also a true Rovers legend. I'm delighted he has been remembered and I thank those who were involved in organising this tribute to him. Unfortunately, Jimmy get, didn't get to see Tala, but I have no doubt he would be very proud to see what has been achieved by the club. Jimmy t dedicated a huge part of his life supporting and working on behalf of the club. Thanks again for, for remembering the late, great Jimmy Keane. Thank you. Hi, hi, this is Ed Jim Conroy. It is an honour, a real honour to be asked to, to, pay, to pay a tribute to, to Jimmy Keane, a, a great old friend of mine. I first got to know Jimmy when serving on, on, on the Shamrock Rovers Supporters Club uh, committees in the 80s. The, meet, the meetings were never dull. Jimmy had a huge passion for Shamrock Rovers and his colourful verbal sparring with the likes of Noel Bourne or Lane Christie, or both of them at the same time, was always colourful and, and a delight to behold. He played a huge part in raising funds to improve facilities at Milltown, especially the installation of the floodlights in 1982. The thanks he got from the Kilcoynes, of course, was, well, the Kilcoyne family, was the closure of Glenroe Park in 1987. He will be best remembered for his wholehearted support for Cram, which he set up with, 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 um, 
Among others, Ed Kenny, Brian Murphy and Jerry Mackey. Sadly, Brian and Jerry, two very special hoopers, died recently. My favourite memories of Jimmy Kane were nights drinking a load of points in the White Horse, usually on Sunday nights. Jimmy would always be at the centre of the de- of the debates on every topic imagine- imaginable. And of course, Jimmy was always right. He, he was he he was always right. Jimmy was always right. He's a great man for an argument. I remember my I remember my good friend John John Bourne. Uh, John Bourne uh, uh, had a brilliant tribute to to uh, to, to, to Jimmy in, in in the Rovers program uh, shortly after Jimmy died. And it's just just this little um, this little paragraph, especially I have it here in front of me, stood out. There are the little things. This is what John said. Like his laugh. Anyone who can recall Dick Dastardly's dog, Muttley, will get the gist. The way he'd chuff on cigarettes, as though it helped him think. And those glasses he pushed back when making a point. If I had to pick one sentence of of his to sum up Jimmy, it would be... Do you know how much it costs to run a club like Shamrock Rovers? He was always getting that across to us. As I say, it was a lovely, it was it was a lovely, um, a lovely paragraph from from that superb tribute by by John Byrne in the Rovers program in nineteen ninety nine. Jimmy, of course, there's a lot of winding up used to go on. Like Jimmy used to wind us up. He was always saying, uh, "Ah, you are too young to remember the the the, the Paddy Cole team and all that, and the the fifty six cup final when they came came from two down to win three two in the last ten minutes, and the the games against Man United in fifty seven and Nice in in fifty nine. He he used to love he just love winding us younger fans up and all that. But we used to say to him, "Ah, Jimmy, you, you, so, so when you're gone, we, we'll have even better memories than that, and 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 and, and the, the the club will go on to even greater things." And of course. Jimmy would do that thing with his glasses and puff at a cigarette. And it was they were they're very very funny, funny memories, you know. Ah, oh, they were the days. Yeah, Jim Jimmy would would have loved uh, to, to to see Rovers now in Tala. He, he really would. Like, look, he he left us far too soon. It, it's it's just a shame that he didn't experience the the, the joy that we've had in Tala and and the, and, and like the, the great club that we have today. Jimmy Kane was one of the greatest Hoopers ever. I have absolutely no doubt about that. He should never be forgotten. Thanks for the memories, Jimmy. Richard Tully. What can I say about Jimmy Kane? One grows up safe in the knowledge that the star of your club is the forward who scores the goals every week. It is only later, when you find yourself on various committees, that you realise that the real heroes are the people who give up their time and money to keep the club you love running. All of this work is done behind the scenes with scant regard for even a nod of gratitude. This was Jimmy. One of Jimmy's favourite sayings was, I made a mistake. Once. I thought I was wrong, but found out I wasn't. A week wouldn't go by without him squeezing it in somewhere. But the way he told it to you, you just had to laugh. He was a font of knowledge on the game. And even before Google was thought of, he would come out with the trickiest questions like, 
Name five players with the same name who've scored for Team X. He would leave us all hanging all day and only impart the answer when everybody was leaving. The league rule book at the time appeared to be a hodgepodge of amendments written on the back of cigarette packets. The discussions he would have with officials from other clubs about whose undated scribbles were the most recent version of the rule were legendary. Very few people knew that he was a founding member of the Irish branch of the East Fife Supporters Club. Even that came about in true Jimmy fashion. There was a fundraising club based on forecasting the results of the English League. We used to meet upstairs in Tommy Wright's every Saturday afternoon to check the coupons. In those days, we used to send somebody out for the late sports edition of the paper so we could check the results. One day, he challenged us to ask him any question about that day's football. We scanned the paper for an obscure team to trick him with and picked East Fife. He wanted to tell us the result, but we asked him to tell us the size of the crowd. Everybody had a good laugh, especially Jimmy. On the following Saturday, ever being up for a bit of skit, Jimmy suggested we all put in a pound coin and whoever got closest to the number of the crowd won the pot. After a month or so of that, we decided, oh, all right, if we're betting on the attendance, we might as well look at their results as well. This led us on to writing to East Fife to see if they had a supporters branch in Ireland. They replied that they had now, we were it. Jimmy then proposed that seeing as we were following their results and betting on their crowds and we were the official Irish supporters club, we might as well go and see them. The arrangements were made and off we went on the Larne to Stranraer ferry to catch a match in Bayview Stadium, East Fife at home to Stenhouse Muir. Now, the standard in the Scottish First Division, the third tier in Scotland, was poor to say the least. Steve Archibald, the former Spurs player, was player manager, but it was really football at grassroots level. The locals were delighted with the attendance of about 350, and it was made all the better by the fact that the home team won the match. Jimmy just kept repeating that he had seen better in the Phoenix Park. And of course, he was right. We never went back, but Jimmy still made sure we contributed our cash every week to the guessing game. He encouraged me to search high and low for any recordings of old Rovers games. He told me they would be precious in the future. Absolutely priceless. Then, with a twinkle in his eye, he would say that priceless meant they'd be worth absolutely nothing. I'm glad to say I did gather as much old stuff as possible. Originally, it was on VHS tape, and 
These were later transferred to DVD and now they are on memory stick. Anytime I show them to any old supporters, I dedicate their collection to Jimmy Keane and to Robert Goggins for his help with dates, etc. Jimmy's passing was a real personal loss for me as he loved Rovers and was a true gentleman. His place in the history of our great club should never be overlooked. Some very heartwarming ones there, Prof. And I got I got a real sense of what he looked like and how he actually spoke from the cigarettes, I the know. way he spoke, and you could imagine him. And he never made mistakes, just one mistake in his <laughs> life, wasn't it? That's what stood out with this one, just the, the physical descriptions of him and the way he spoke. It was very I got a real I got a real feel for what he, yeah. what he looked like and how he was as a person, but some really, really touching tributes from some of our elder statesmen, you could say. And the East Fife Supporters Club. I wasn't expecting that one. I knew I knew you were loving that one. I was waiting for you to come up with something. Yeah, well, just a reminder, Gare. Uh, there was a scoreline of 4-5-5, four, four, East 5-4 five, four, in 1964. But there's never been a scoreline of East 5-4, five, 4-5-5, four, four, five, five, except on penalties three years ago. <laughs> you will never get me trying to say that. <laughs> never. So, yeah, thanks yeah. to everybody who uh, helped out with it the tribute and it was really really touching so hopefully the family are happy and they get to listen to it very old school in memoriam wasn't it old school is exactly great stories from you know cram and milltown and the floodlights in particular you know the generation of people they're dealing with when they all met my deadline comfortably <laughs> they all remembered to say their name it was the easiest one i've ever done one or two had to be shown how to Record the voice now, which is fine. Just hold your finger on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to help out those who are not technologically uh, savvy. But that uh, Gareth Gaff did it again. What did he call he you? He did the it again. Doc. He called me the doc. Uh, but the gas part was, he was in, in the four provs. And he must have called me prof about 60 times. Right. Without fail. I'm like, right, well, he has it now. <laughs> then he rings me two days later and he starts calling me Doc. Hey, me Doc! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, brilliant. And I, of course, of course, the gaff just happened to mention that he is the first ever Shamrock <laughs> Rovers player of the year. Just threw that in there. Uh, just threw it in. Just had to make sure that the fans I love knew. how you always guess that in. Good to hear from his ex teammate as well, Noel Sinner. Yeah, Noel's a top, top guy. And Half of these people just rang me about the tribute and like. An old chat. Yeah, like, no, Sinner rang me. Hadn't talked to him in two years since he was on the show. And got loads of stories from him. Uh, great fun talking to Noel again. But, uh, no, I love this one. So, definitely a cracker. And, uh, Prof, we're going to move on to Jim Conroy. Starting 11s on predictions. So, having an old scribble, of course. Scribble, scribble here. And um, it's hard to... It's hard to drop anyone from last week, Prof. I don't think I am. I think I'm keeping the same team against... And I'm taking them into account as well. I'm taking into account that they have some nippy players. Uh, some very good players. They have Akintunde. They've got McGonagall. Big Owen Toll. It's going to be a battle with Gaffney. Um, I'm going to go Manus and goal. It's going to be Pico. It's going to be Grace Pico Gannon. Again, Gannon. Another good game at centre half. I think we might have found Joey's replacement in the short term. Um... Until we uh, bring in John Matten, of course. Are you writing off Joey again? Um, listen, Joey is just having a little rest. Getting old. So we're going to hold on to him for the last couple of games and bring him in for that experience, you know. Okay. Cotter on the left. 
Finn on the right. Finn, of course, as he's, that magic triangle is going to come into play now. You got Towel and Gary O'Neill in the middle of the park, and what's Gaffney and Danny? And I can't, I can't separate, I can't separate them at all. I can't. It's, I mean, you've got Finn. You're going to have Watts and Towel on the right. A little bit of interchanging with Danny as well. The magic triangle is going to be playing. And I'm what about if you had a fully fit Graham Burke right now? He doesn't get in because they can't drop anyone. It's unfair. It's unfair to drop anybody from that performance. The last two performances keep the same team. That's what I see. And then you have Burke to come off the bench. I just think Burke kind of slows us down at times. You know, not that kind of thing he does where he stops and he, he entices defenders on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he'll stop maybe in there halfway into their half he'll stop and he'll kind of entice them on and try and beat one gives them time to regroup I'm not saying Burke isn't a good option to have we need to get Burke back in the team so that you can drop him and then he can score from the halfway line against maybe Derry so again. yeah I might squeeze him in here somewhere. <laughs> but now that's my team and I'm going to go 2-0 um, I'm going to go 2-0 and I'm going to go Watsy Watsy to score because he's been brilliant and uh, Barry Carter to get off the mark powerhouse well, header from well, what's goal what's assist Carter header 2-0 in, in Hoopsie and I've written about a game around this time uh, 10 years ago which was decided by a Rohan Ricketts lob this, this was the third last game of the season and it was massive it was a Still massive a win brilliant moment in Rovers history and it was a very tight game and I can see this being a tight game I can't see us winning this any more than by one goal oh I was going to get a prof so I'm going to say 1-0 and it's going to be scored by... I'm going to I'm gonna get on the limb here. I'm going to say Barry's going to get it. Oh, Barry Carter. We really, really like him. Yeah. So that's 1-0 from me, 2-0. 2 nil from me, 1-0 from the prof. And hopefully we can uh, bring home this win. This is a big, big, big win. This will be a big one if we can do it. But the hoop scene, prof, you are... Once again, you've made... It's your second appearance as the editor. And you've had another great article... <laughs> It's the second time you've called me the editor this you're season. Ed, you're the editor, prof. I'm just writing the editorial. You are the editor. Don't mind the gog. Don't mind Goggledino there. He's he's taking a back seat now. He's grooming you to put you in. You're starting feuds again. So you're doing. Starting feuds, yeah, within the club. Civil War. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, really good article. Check it out. Um, I like the way you uh, took a few little digs in your editorial. What's your, what's your second game? What's your debut? Your second game. And a few little digs as well, which is 100% justified as well by by me. And I don't think it would be printed if we didn't think it was justified by the ever-professional Mr. Goggins. So, great mm-hmm. stuff. And make sure you pick up your copy on match day as well. Big, big game and on Friday. Con Murphy has penned a tribute to, to his late dad, Brian. So, oh, uh, emotional, emotional scenes in the programme this week as well. So, brilliant stuff. Yeah, we got James Lowell back on board writing about, about Derry. So... Mr Maloney as well I believe some, some fresh new content there for you on top of the usual from myself McDara and, and Jason Maloney so uh, packed issue packed issue once again fantastic fantastic publication make sure you go and spend that five on it let them keep the change don't be taking euros back so Prof Friday 4,000 crowd set out the largest attendance since Covid all the seats in the south and east are gone by Sunday and the remaining tickets are gone the last couple of days so Zero tickets available. 4,000 sell out. The south stand is going to be rocking. We cannot wait for this. The allocation debate, not going to talk about it. Um, It's ran its course and 
listen, these things happen. There's teams all over the league not giving allocations to anybody. 4,000 hoops wanted tickets. 4,000 hoops got tickets. Um, unfortunately, we could bite us in the bollocks further on down the league, but... Well, possibly if we win the title in the away game, the, the home club could decide not to give us any tickets. Yeah. Now, we could end up in a position where we could go and have an away game. Let's say Longford, who could be extremely petty, wouldn't even put a name in the programme. Um, we could end up having no tickets there and we could win the title. God love Longford Town. That's what I say if that happens. <laughs> God love is. Well, it's obviously like clubs are picking and choosing who they want to give and away allocation too, don't they? It is yeah. up to the individual club. I saw a Shells fan giving out to us about this, and then the next day, Shelburne announced no treaty fans allowed. Exactly, yeah. And they can probably clinch the title. Or no, no, was a treaty announced no Shells fans? Was the other way around? I think either way, I think I think it's treaty announced no Shells fans, and they can clinch the title down there. So we could find ourselves in a similar predicament. Which I hope it doesn't. It's not the case. Um, I mean, yeah, we did. We gave Drogheda and Dundalk. Was it was it Drogheda? Yeah, the Drogheda and Dundalk allocation. Waterford got one as well. When it was fifteen hundred, then the capacity went up to fifty percent. So we gave Waterford tickets. Obviously, Bows and Pats didn't give us any. So, like I said, clubs are picking and choosing. Yeah, there's a few little digs all around the league. I wouldn't um, even. It's being read into purely because we did. Mm. But there's no hullabaloo about other teams doing it, so... I've yet to talk to someone who agrees with this decision, though. Yeah, true, true. Um, I think... I think most people feel they should have got 100. Maybe 100 would have been would have sufficed, and I don't think any more than 100 are going to travel down, but the wind is in the, underneath Derry sails at the minute. There's a feel-good vibe about the club. Maybe 100 wouldn't have been too much of an issue. Not too sure, Prof. I probably... Ultimately, I might have said, yeah, give them more something mm. purely just to reciprocate because we know we're going to go up there again. They could shoot us in the, shooting ourselves in the foot, you know. Would it kill us that yeah. much to give them 100? I don't know. The, the politics of this is beyond us. But uh, I think we'll leave the allocation debate for another day when we are locked out of another stadium and we can win the league up there or anywhere else that we go. So, SRSC TV Prof, two weeks' time, you will be seeing all the content of Take Me Home. The long-awaited documentary from the prof and Kane Hopkins. So you'll be looking at all the insides and the outsides and everything of that. The inner workings of how prof is going to take home his documentary, Take Me Home. So really, really interesting. Watch on that and make sure you check it out. Even uh, you could probably watch it as well if you don't. If you go to the game, you can re-watch it as well, can't you? You can watch it while exactly. Yeah, when you, get when, home. You, when you come home, you can watch it. And I'm sure the club will will stick it up on 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 Twitter, or YouTube. It'll be a Three minute behind the scenes feature. Uh, not this week now, but the Sligo game in two weeks time. A few snippets, prof. And the plan is we're going to be talking to Barry Murphy during this behind the scenes. And the following day, I'll be talking to Pat Scully of all people. Scullier, bring up the prosecco, yeah. prof. Scully won't be in the behind the scenes now, but just I happen to be talking to him the next day. And um, just a side note: interviewed Mark Lynch there last weekend. I'd say he was um, loving it, was he? <laughs> was he loving it? We came in his front garden. First thing he pointed out was the old Milltown turnstile. Just, in his garden. Just hanging out in the garden there. Just chilling there in the garden. There you go. Um, Is it the green and white one? It's been restored, has it? It's that one that's no, the restored one. it's all green, I think. Oh, it? yeah, that's it. It's a dark green. It's a forest green, yeah. yeah. 
and the fella we work with. Tell me you didn't see Del Piero's jersey, Chiellini's jersey in the sitting room, Del Piero ones in in the bathroom, Ronaldo's one in the bed in the sitting in the bedroom. Oh, in fairness, this this is some man cave. I was very impressed with this man cave. Gary Twig adorning the walls of the garden. I can't even see the ceiling. There's just literally a scarf covering every area of space. I like that. I like that. I like that style. It's very cool. Because yeah, you, as you're having your point, you're just going to look it up. And like, oh, look at that one. <laughs> you see, it's a story. It's a story for every scarf, yeah. isn't it? No, absolutely amazing collection of photographs and jerseys and stuff. No, but um, there's a fellow we work with. Uh, Nick is that his name? The first time we met him, he was wear. He's a Rovers fan, but he was wearing a Thomas Davis top. This is unforgivable in my eyes. It was. It was all downhill from there. The first, no, the first time I met him was when we were on the hunt. For the pennant, and he was actually running around helping us out. I thought oh, it was a good hoop, and then the second time I saw him, he had a Thomas Davis jersey on, and I thought to myself, "What is wrong with this fella?" Instantly, I just thought to myself, "Oh my god, I've, ne- I've never felt such an internal conflict." He was, I know, he was talking to me about all old players in Milltown, and like he was very enthusiastic. Yeah, but then my eyes were just. Slowly drift down towards this badge <laughs> that says Thomas Davis. I just be like, uh huh, yeah, uh huh, yeah. Uh-huh. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just like, just get out of the club. Yeah, <laughs> just get out now. But he showed me something on his phone. Um, so this wasn't his house. Now it was. Um, I think he said it was Liam Hennessy's wife, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. She has the old Milltown crossbar this in the back garden, just sitting there, just sitting there. Waiting to be buried over with footballs. So this could be something for the documentary. I now. think so. It's just sitting in there. So we have to game a game of crossbars with the Milltown crossbar. Brilliant stuff. So, Prof, we're gonna have a minute silence for Brian Murphy at the game on Friday. Well deserved, and we paid tribute to Jimmy Keane. So men who were at the forefront of crab keep rovers at Milltown. So, Prof, it's a big one, big one this week. A massive step in the direction of bringing the title back to Tala. Block X. South stand. We'll see you there and keep on hoop. See ya. News of the proposed move of Shamrock Rovers to Tulka Park broke in March of this year. Cram was quickly set up to oppose the move and supporters, patrons and business figures channeled their anger into well-organised fundraising campaigns. They raised an impressive £300,000 with a view to buying out Shamrock Rovers and Glenmalure Park from the Kilcoyne family directors. If successful in their bid, the Rovers would then be held in trust and could not be sold without the consent of club members. The offer was rejected by the Kilcoyne brothers. Fears run high now that the grounds are being considered for commercial development. How much longer Cram will hold out is open to debate. No, we wouldn't be having the public meeting this evening if we acknowledged defeat. Um, we had to direct our attention and all our, our uh, energies in the initial few weeks to raising enough money to make a very significant bid to save Glenmalure Park and Shamrock Rovers at Glenmalure Park. Uh, we're now broadening the whole campaign. We have to mobilise public opinion, uh, we have to mo- mobilise political uh, support and general support amongst the, the public to maintain and to fight to save that amenity. We believe it can be saved and we believe there is a price that it can be bought at. Well, my belief is that the Kilcoyne brothers feel they may, may make more money out of possible land speculation. They didn't consider it exciting enough. That was their reply. Now, they said that the move was in the best interests of football. 
I think it must be blatantly obvious at this stage to anybody of average intelligence that the football consideration in this case is very, very secondary. Quite obviously, the commercial value of any League of Ireland club at £300,000 is exceptionally high. So there are obviously other financial considerations which make them reject this offer, not connected with football. But attendance figures have been dropping and they did say that they were financially struggling. We're very aware that financial or crowds have dropped. But Sherbrooke Rovers last season got one massive gate against Glasgow Celtic, which would have been almost sufficient to run the club for a year. They have also transferred approximately half a million pounds over the last four years. And it has been admitted to us that the club has made a profit for the last four years. If this is the case, they would have been in a worse financial position four years ago. Why wasn't it necessary at that stage to make this move? I don't refute their right to obtain the option in the freehold. I would never do that. Uh, they own the club and they are business people. However, I don't accept, can't accept and never will accept that they have the right to move to Talca Park. Never.